Welcome to another episode of Campus Life. We're continuing on our conference preview series here at CampusToCanton.com. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. We are moving on to the Big 12, episode four here of the series. Again, going in alphabetical order every episode up until the start of the season. We are covering a conference, going team by team, and basically just talking about all of the players that we think are relevant or rosterable across all these different teams. The Big 12 is going to be a fun one today. We've got some new teams moving up in here to the conference, and it's the last year of Texas and Oklahoma being here as well. So we have an abnormally big conference, um, and pretty much all these teams actually do have somebody to talk about, unlike some yeah. of these other conferences where you've had a, a team or two that, uh, you know, you, you maybe mention a name and, and that could be it. So we're going to try to keep this under 90 minutes, hour 45. We'll see. Uh, if we can do that, um, we do have a new guest here with us tonight, and I'm very excited uh, to to introduce you guys to him. The one thing that I do just want to mention real quick, since we're doing the Big 12 episode and it's timely, uh, Colorado voted today to join the Big 12 uh, in the future. Uh, so that's going to be really, really interesting. Um, I don't have a lot of really well thought out uh, you know, thoughts and opinions on it overall. It sounds like it's going to be 2024 that they're targeting. So that is going to be next season. Um, Call. I mean, do you have any, you know, sweeping thoughts on Colorado? Who, who is really more of a big 12 team anyway? You know, traditionally yeah. their arrivals with, with schools like Nebraska, that they'll finally be back. Uh, well, no, Nebraska is in the big 10 now. Why is that so stupid? But they will be with, you know, the Iowa States and, um, you know, some of these other schools they traditionally uh, had some rivalries with. So I, I it, for people that like traditional rivalries and kind of getting back to those things, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it makes sense for um, Colorado geographically. Like you said, there's rivals there as well. Um you know, and it's nice to see the Big 12 making some additions here. I think the so the Big 12 lost Texas and Oklahoma, but you know, and, we, and I know at that point, you know, we started talking like, oh, is our other teams going to jump ship? Um, you know, is West Virginia going to go to the ACC or the Big 10 or, you know, are, are some of these other teams going to leave? And I think that the Big 12 has done a really nice job um, adapting and trying to survive here. And the PAC 12 has very much not. So the big 12 with adding Colorado, they're going to need to add another team. You know, they've floated a couple, I've heard a couple of like G five teams floated around out there. I've heard UConn possibly, which that one doesn't make sense to me. Um, but I've heard like San Diego state or UNLV or Memphis. So there's like some other schools that might join them, but it wouldn't surprise me to see them go after a big 12 team or a PAC 12 team. Um, because the PAC 12, uh, they're going to need to do something here. They're, they're kind of in some trouble. Yeah. Um, they're scrambling. We'll see what happens with them. I, they're still going to be, I think, I don't know. I don't know. Significant fallout. I, I don't think that's that's underselling or overselling it. Um, something's going to happen. Uh, have to happen there, overall. So just just that piece of news. We figured we throw that out. Not really fantasy relevant, but something to be keeping on the radar for twenty twenty four and beyond. Um, so let's get into our guest here. Uh, we were uh, uh, honored to be joined by Todd Vincent. We talk a little bit about this in the interview here, but Todd. 
um, has been around, for, you know, interacting with us for forever, essentially. I think he was one of the first people to hop into Debbie debate. He must have gotten lost on YouTube somewhere uh, and, <laughs> and found us in our infancy. It was just me, Matt Bruning and Felix Sharp uh, before Campus to was a thing, before the C2C pod was a thing. Um, so uh, Todd's someone that we've known for, for a couple of years now. It's crazy to think about. Um, he's now, uh, working a ton of different, a couple of different places, doing some Debbie work, doing some freshman prospecting. Um, so without further, further ado, here is our interview with Todd. Interview number four here on our conference preview series is somebody that much like our last guest here that you heard, uh, Luke earlier this week is the OGest of OGs. Of the c2c crew been a member with us for so long with someone that we've talked to just on twitter dms for so long you can find him at hobart underscore whipple on twitter and i do want to ask you where that name comes from here <laughs> in just a minute but we're talking to todd vincent and todd you've recently really kind of just expanded your portfolio you you're starting uh with dynasty dgens now you're with ff league winners you've written a couple of debbie articles over there you're in the program. You're we just talking about Warrior Bull, Scott Fishbull. You're all over the place all of a sudden. You're the new hot thing. So, Todd, thanks for coming on here to, to chat with us for a few minutes. Oh, thanks for having me. So let, let's get right into Hobart Whipple. What, what, what is the meaning of, of Hobart Whipple? Because I was like, oh, this dude's name is Hobart Whipple. But no, his name's <laughs> not Hobart. So that's yeah, strange. I, I honestly don't even know where the actual origins from it are. I just know that when I was a when I was a kid and a teenager, uh, my dad used to work at uh, car dealerships, and he had a friend that was a, gol a golfing buddy that worked at another car car dealership across town. So when they would call to have to leave a message or have them paged out on the lot, that name would be the one they left with the receptionist. So the receptionist would have to page over the whole lot to ask for Hobart Whipple, or there's a call, call for Hobart Whipple, or whatever it was. So anytime there was like a off the top, you like have to come up with something quick for an email address or something goofy like that. It was always just a default thing that I so kind of stuck. Man, that's actually like it's a better story than I expected. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were gonna be like, oh, I hit a random you know name generator or something. That that's a good story. That's all right. That's a good story. Um, so Todd, I mean, you you've been just doing a ton of of Debbie articles and stuff recently, but you also. Um, have do, done a lot of freshman prospecting over the past couple of cycles, and you're already pretty deep into the 2024 freshman class. So what's driven you to kind of, you know, start watching freshmen and, and writing Debbie articles and, and, and doing all this different C2C uh, type of work? Uh, I'll, I'll spend one Albert O summer on Twitter and <laughs> you probably had enough of Dynasty. So <laughs> honestly, that's where it kind of came into uh, just searching stuff up and going through content and watching and having content creators talk about, you know, check out Twitter, follow the guys I follow and such and such. So I kind of started off there just fall and I just followed a bunch of people and everyone that I could that was doing kind of Debbie stuff or kind of uh, fantasy football content. And then it got into where this off season was just the constant bickering and bantering and whatever it is, just going nowhere, uh, that whole lull. So then I kind of came across you guys and right from the start, not unknowingly, but I'm pretty sure like, I don't know if someone else I was following had brought you guys up or what the case was, but I think I've been with the, in the Debbie debate chat for the, pretty much the entire time. 
Uh, so when I got into that, I was just fascinated by the whole format and what it was. I pretty much spent, I would think, probably close to a year just asking questions. And before I even commented on anything, I was just, besides making jokes about Felix's helicopter in the comments, <laughs> I was just, I was just fascinated with it. So I was always asking questions and game theory and all that type of stuff. And it's just, it's so new that there's no, there's no right or wrong answers. There's so many different ways to look at it and so many different ways to play the game. It's just, it's, there's just something for everyone. And uh, yeah. like the prospecting thing, it's just, I don't know, I guess that's the my whole passion is kind of the player evaluation to start off with. So it's just when you're in those circles, you know, the algorithm gets you. So I'm following all these people that are personal trainers and all the scouting and recruiting services and whatnot. So I kind of just try to get into it earlier and earlier every year so that I'm not getting outside noise from other people's opinions and what it is. But so that's kind of where that started. Yeah, and, and you're one of the, the first people on on a couple of different guys. You know, last year Jordan Hudson, this year um, Jerion Dickey. So you're you're further into this uh, into the recruiting th than I am. Um, you know, so it's it's always refreshing to see your takes and, and who got who you're in on as well. Because there's not very many people who are into recruiting from a fantasy angle further than guys at, at campus to Canton, and and you are you are one of them. Yeah. Yeah, I've already been sending Austin the DMs on the, the ones I've been disagreeing with already. So, how far into the 2024 freshman class are you already? I have 50 profiles, like like my top 10 ranked quarterbacks, and then 20 receivers and 20 running backs. No tight ends. Chris Moxley would be very <laughs> disappointed that there's you did not say tight ends there. No, I don't ever look at tight ends. <laughs> I actually was. I'm kind of glad the way it turned out with that. I just did the. I call it Debbie astrology, but just going through the rankings and seeing the, how they correlate the fantasy finishes and stuff. And by far the, the tight ends is it's a wasteland. Don't even try and don't even try and predict them. If there's nothing that correlates with any of it, it's just, it's kind of a, it's kind of a perfect storm of like athleticism, right spot at right time. And like a thin depth chart for pass catchers and go from there. So we should not expect you to mention a tight end as an answer for any of our big three questions tonight. Is, <laughs> absolutely that, is that what I'm getting out of you right yeah, now? Yeah, absolutely not. And I actually Eric. had, I know we talked, I know you guys have talked about it and I know in the, we always get the, the big Twitter accounts calling, you know, they're always referring to people, the Debbie bros and can't give up on these pro prospects and, and all these hyper analyzing stuff. But this is where we like in our circles, we're talking last year about, pumping the brakes on like Michael Mayer saying, you know, he's not the athlete that some of these other guys are. And then people are like, Oh, these guys just want to poke holes in people's prospects and prospects and what it is. He's still end up my, he's still my tight end one for the class. And I think he's in a really good spot too. Once Adams leaves these, he's in a very good spot to, to prosper, I think, but it's just one of those things that he was besides the athleticism, like, he pretty much has a bulletproof prospect profile as a tight end, and he was still the third guy taken off the world. He did everything possible in college to pad a resume, and he still he still saw like Dalton Kincaid come out of absolutely nowhere <laughs> and and shoot out draft boards. And I I to me that's a luxury pick by the Bills, but that's another story. But we had, like with other positions, you don't really see that. Like you wouldn't see someone leapfrog Bijan after two years all of a sudden just because it just doesn't happen but tight ends is 
pretty crazy. And if you look at the like the past five star prospects and what there's just they're just nobody. Still waiting for Eric Gilbert, baby. I, he got, he just got drafted in like three drafts I've done in the last week. Really? Yeah. yeah. I guess it is that time of the year, you know, much like Albert O. Uh, time, you know, it, yeah. it is. He's in great shape again. Look at him. Look at him. That's that's the yeah, A couple of those were a couple of those drafts. So we started doing uh, trying to trying to broaden the whole Devi sphere, like. I kind of Debbie's kind of like an all-encompassing term for me. Like I always say Debbie, but like standard Debbie leagues is like what five five picks usually. So you're talking like 60 players, but I kind of refer to Debbie as the 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 players with NFL that we see having NFL potential or meaningful NFL potential. So it's kind of it goes deep into the CTC the CTC. Especially for me, because that's the way I prefer to draft. And I actually just did, I would call it an article, but it's more of a persuasive essay into why I think people should target more Debbie players in their CTC startups. And so that should be coming out this week, actually. Over at League Winners? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Okay. Nice. And what are you, what are you going to be doing with the, the Dynasty DGENs? Is it going to be uh, still written content or, or, you know, video audio or, or what do you Yeah, yeah we'll do written content. I'm actually doing their, like the, the site's podcast uh, in mid-August, early August. I think Froton's on next week, actually. I did see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have quite quite the list going on. So they're it's a great group there, and they're just they're just building from the ground up. So it's kind of nice to get in on something. I actually kind of just got to know those guys through the Dead Royale Discord and stuff, and they kind of just reached out. Like the whole thing was kind of all all of a sudden. Like I had no no thought of doing actual content creation like i it was just i just dig into this the prospects and that kind of stuff just as a passion and a hobby and whatnot and then uh thomas from league winners reached out to me and asked if i'd be interested in doing it and i was just kind of like well maybe i guess i'm like i never really put any thought into it and he's uh it was actually uh joe o'leary that he's with dynasty nerds yeah he he was Mm -hmm. with he still does some stuff for thomas but he was with league winners i saw his name in the group chat and i'm like oh that must be where because he had DM me a little while ago about about uh, the twenty three freshman class. He said he hasn't dug in that that much, and he had a draft coming up, so he kind of asked me. And I'm like, yeah, here. I have like my rankings as my pinned tweet, so I'm trying to keep some kind of accountability for it. Well, okay, then I'm going to go back and search that tweet when some one of these guys doesn't hit. Now that you're a content creator, I, I have <laughs> yeah. Full, full now we're going to yell at you. Yeah, I, we so that's where really Then the, yeah. with our DGens, so the, the site should be launching soon. So hopefully will be all encompassing from dynasty right through to Debbie. So nice. Great. Awesome. Well, that's, that, that's, that's cool here. I did not know that uh, either. All right, let's get into um, our three big questions here. And for new listeners or people that need a refresher, we're going to ask you, Todd, who's a player that's going to help their stock the most this year, the player that's going to hurt their stock the most this year. And then the spiciest, spiciest take that you can give us, here without setting us both on fire let's start with that player whose stock is going to go up and you're not allowed to say jordan hudson go <laughs> yeah the simple simple answer would be jordan hudson yeah uh, <laughs> i've said that enough so those receipts are out there so they could haunt me but when he does hit you'll know it because that, that's, well that, that's the fun part that's yeah. the fun part uh, so the guy for me, this is pretty easy for me. It's a guy I've been talking about for a long time too. It's Jason McClellan from Alabama, running back. 
Uh, he's still going extremely low, I think, in CTC startups. I've, I think I've drafted him three or four times and traded for him. Actually, in the program, I believe, was the trade. Uh, I just looked at it and say he's still going as like the running back 13, I believe, which is pretty low for me, I think. Uh, I, I, I see a world where he's the third running back this year in the draft, possibly as high as second. Depends on how you view, I guess. I have Travion, then Sanders, and then I think I I personally prefer McClellan too. Like Trey Benson's getting a ton of hype right now. And he just seems like he's a good player, don't get me wrong. But those there seem to be guys that have the the play style that people gravitate towards. Like kind of like that Kenneth Walker type of guy. And they just always hear about these broken tackles and breakaway run rate. And there's the metrics are there and you can only go so deep with it, but I just don't know that at the next level, I don't know that he's more than just a two down guy. Uh, I think, and the way the league is, you see it, a lot of it will depend on the team success too. Like if, if Florida state lives up to what they're being hyped as, then he's going to get more, more consideration around draft time, I think. But from McClellan, we've seen Saban, you know, we've seen him lean on these guys and kind of reward the guys for sticking around and staying the course for four years or three years or whatever they are. Uh, and he's kind of, he's flashed in his, his play. Like he was as good or better running the ball than, uh, than Gibbs last year. Uh, and he was pretty, pretty decent his, his freshman year too, before he got injured. It's he's had pretty limited touches, I would guess so far. But I think if you look at like between Najee and, and Brian Robinson, especially like, I think McClellan's a far better player, not only player, but athlete. Uh, than Robinson and Robinson was what, a third round pick. Yeah, yeah. I I think like nepotism's real too. Like Saban, you see the coaching tree and his connections in the league, and they're basically running like a pro program at Alabama. I could see. I don't see him going any later in the third round if he stays healthy. And I think he's probably like for CFF purposes too. I think he's probably a top 15, 20 guy this year. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we've been we've talked about McClellan a couple of times as well. And and I, I know I speak for Austin here when I say we both agree he's he's undervalued right now for sure. Um, and I not only, you know, from what we've seen from him in, in limited work, who's the top rated spark uh, running back in his class. So we know he has that athleticism. We think he's going to have that production there this year because Alabama's not going to be able to throw the ball quite as much as they have in years past given their quarterback situation. So they're going to lean on McClellan. It's really a perfect storm for him. So I, I love that call uh, of him being, you know, even as high as like the RB2 in the class, like RB2, RB3, right in that range. And you're not seeing that in a lot of places. Yeah, I think people are still trailing behind him. I don't know if it's just the touches or people are pretty enamored with Justice Haynes there. And I'm a big Jamari Miller guy as well. But I think we've seen those guys, they're going to they're gonna have to wait their turn. And I don't, I don't know that that's, a negative either that's going to be a selling kind of a selling point for the program too that yeah you know you you come here you're in line all the guys ahead of you are the same type of recruit and you keep rewarding these guys for staying the course i i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing oh who was it i think it's alvin kamara that tells the story that he showed up his first day at alabama in that running back room and realized that that was the case and he 
he had, he didn't believe it going in. And I think Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, and somebody else were there, and he was like, "Yeah, I don't think this is going to work out." Like, <laughs> yeah. and it's just crazy what some of those programs can stockpile at a specific position at any given time. Yeah, just just crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, you know, Jace McClellan uh, stock up this year. I, I like we like that call. Flip side, somebody has to uh, you know lose value this year. Who's your guy that you think is going to lose value this year? Uh, now, this one is some people are not going to like this. Uh-oh. And I'm not sure. I'm sure it's lose value, but just for me, the value in it and the uncertainty is Drake May. Oh, I don't think he's a shoe in top five NFL draft pick like people want to believe. I see the talent and I see like the package. Uh, but if you look at his his numbers compared to Sam Howell in the same, in the same program, in the same system, it, pretty much every metric Sam Howell has a better, like his true sophomore season. He's better than, than Drake may all of it. The only thing may is, is in the product, in the actual raw numbers, he had, he had more volume, uh, but it's not even just that. Like, I don't, I think he'll still probably be the quarterback too in, in the class. The problem with me is that there's already people like, there's already, we get the prospect fatigue every year. There's already people bumping up. You see inching them, bumping them up ahead of Caleb Williams, which I think is crazy, but you know, it, it could happen. There's also like, we just talked like you guys talked about Quinn Ewers on the, on the summit. There's lots of hype around Bo Nix still. Like he, if in a perfect world, Bo Nix is a Heisman finalist, there's a world where he could jump. Drake May, but the whole thing of it for me is that we're so bad at evaluating quarterbacks and not only them making the league, but their impact in the league. Like we've seen with Trey Lance. Uh, maybe Justin Fields. Maybe yeah. just like Justin Fields could be, if he doesn't improve as a passer, like you can only play that style so long. Right. Um, but the thing with me is, where he's going, there's like there's not a world in where I would take Drake May over Marvin Harrison. I just won't do it. Just the hit rates are so bad for quarterbacks, and it's so hard to predict. And I think you can even make the argument of depending on how your running back rankings go, of preferring like Trayvon Henderson if he's healthy. Rocket Sanders. Lots of people have Rocket Sanders as their number one running back. I think you can make the argument for the next two or three positional guys over the quarterback, and it's even like. With the with uh, the popularity in superflex leagues and these guys are everyone saying, oh, you got to take the quarterback. The quarterback's there, you got to take the quarterback. But what if what if he's I don't know, like he's got hit first of all. But even on top of that, what if he's you know a Mac Jones type quarterback? What if he's like what if Brian Tannehill is his ceiling in the NFL and you passed on a Trayvon Henderson? or Barbara Harrison Jr. or Ibuka or Rocket Sanders. Like, I just don't, I'm just not comfortable with it. We've seen too much of it. Like we, everyone, like like a uh, Spencer Rattler and DJU, they're always the running joke and the people go back to them. But there's a lot of people that reference those that weren't even playing in the leagues then. It's just like a, it's like a urban legend to them. Like they, they just like mention it in passing, but we are in those drafts. And Sam Howell was one of them too. People were taking these guys ahead of like Bijan. Like, that's the way it was. There's two years ago, it was Spencer Rattler, DJU. 
And with the quarterback landscape, there's still a chance that Spencer Rattler is the best 2022 eligible quarterback. That's how bad that, that class was. Like, out of that, we had Rattler, DJU, uh, Howell, all those guys, and Kenny Pickett ended up going in the first round. And he came absolutely out of nowhere. It just happens too much with quarterbacks, and there's just too much risk involved. I just, I'm not comfortable doing it. So I can still see him being the quarterback too, and maybe easily, maybe not. It's just not something I'm comfortable doing in the drafts. Where were you 12 hours ago when I took Drake May at the 103, man? Come on. <laughs> it's my first Drake May ever. I was really excited about it. Now I have to go lay in bed and just stare at the ceiling and wonder wonder what, what happened here. Were, so. were you comfortable doing it? Were you really excited? Like, I finally got a Drake May. Um, I was actually really excited. Oof. And it's a six-point pass touchdowns, which makes me feel a little better about it. Yeah. Harrison went the pick before, so yeah. So, I mean, and it could he could turn out to be, you know, a superstar. It could happen. It's just it's not as easily predictable as people think it is. Yeah, people are definitely acting kind of like it's a foregone conclusion. And something that I think gets um, overlooked in the Devi space, and and you know, I started in the Devi space and then kind of moved into C two C, and and I have since doing that, I've gotten a lot more familiar with college systems. You know, and we, we talked about this on the ACC show that we did, but the offensive coordinator hire there of Chip Lindsay is going to impact his production. Like We're very confident in that. I think May is still talented enough that he could put up good numbers, but I'm less sure about that than I was before. So, you know, I think that's something that's not always getting factored in in the Debbie space is the, the changing of the systems there. Um, and I, I could see some prospect fatigue like you're talking about and, and some people might sour on him a little bit uh, if the season doesn't go the way that, you know, we're expecting it to go. So you might be ahead of the curve here. He's also only played the one season and their schedule last year was dog water. Like <laughs> they played nine, nine out of 14 games. They, they played a 70 or worse uh, pass defense for yards given up for, and they played uh, week zero against Florida A&M as well. And their defense was so terrible that he padded his own stats. I don't know if you guys, if you remember that App State game, it was like a 63-61 game or something. And there was like four touchdowns back to back to back in like the last three minutes of the game. It's just, I don't know. It's just like a perfect storm of of all of it. And I think it's natural for Debbie and CTC. They they're always trying to trying to find that quarterback, and they just prop someone up. Like like if Quinn Ewers wasn't terrible last year does he does drake may get talked about the way he is now yeah or jackson dart or like jackson darts another it wasn't long ago he was well well easy easy you're taking i'm still a jackson dart guy i still actually drafted a few places <laughs> i like but, that All right. but i think there's still there's also that chance is like we've seen these quarterbacks come over there's there's a realistic chance that like i i don't know about jackson dart but i think he's probably a four-year guy but say like a McCord or someone like that jumps all of these guys and ends up as this. I think there's a better chance that one of those guys jumps Drake May into the second spot than Drake May ever jumping Caleb Williams to the first spot. So I think Drake May is a lot closer to the tail end guys in that, in that grouping of whatever your top three or five guys is. I think he's more in the middle or than a clear cut number two guy right behind. I think that's another, another, thing that's it's a difficult eval over 
evaluating players over their classes, between classes ahead of them and classes behind them. And people think because someone's a quarterback two in this class that that equates to quarterback two in the class before. It's, it's just not like that. Well, you were approaching spicy with some of your comments there, but that that wasn't the intention on that take. So we need to get into the spicy section of this. Um, your hottest take for 2023, and I'm really actually so far out of all our guests, like most excited to hear yours because you give some spicy stuff to me sometimes in the DM. So let, let's see if you're as spicy live here or recording as you are uh, when, when we talk uh, elsewhere. So I got to throw two of them out because okay. the first one is just a, a take and it's going to take a while before anyone knows I'm wrong about it in the first place. So <laughs> those are the best kind. Those yeah, are the best so kind. That, <laughs> so that take is that JoJo Trader is the wide receiver one, the 24 freshman class. Okay. Okay. You and your JoJo Trader. And you knew that was coming. So I did. I, I did. have a guy every year and that's going to go against all the talk in the discord. So we'll see how that one goes. Uh, this other one is not, I don't know how spicy it is. Maybe a little wishful thinking since I've drafted a bunch of him this offseason. Also, the second best kind of hot take is the one yeah. where you're just and I've already, I actually vibes. Put this one, yeah. I actually put this one out on uh, Nate Marquise's tweet last week when he asked for a hot take. And that was that Ollie Gordon's going to have over 1,500 scrimmage yards this year at OK State. Whoa, okay. over 1,500. OK, I would say, yeah. say that's spicy. I'd put that in the hot take category do, for do sure. Do tell. Is there is there some some reasoning for this or just kind of a gut? Uh, well, kind of both. I just, I'm not, there's, he's actually the leading rush, returning rusher this year because Richardson's out and who's not great last year. Uh, but just looking at, it's one of those odd situations where like Mike gundy has been there forever, right? Like 17, 18 seasons. And he has a pretty big track record of producing running backs. I think over that 18 season, the RB one averages 210 rushes, 1100 yards and like a dozen touchdowns every year. And on average out touches the RB two, like on a two to one rate. Yeah. And they're not, I mean, it, I mean, He's, I guess he's got sort of, I don't say he's a pure Debbie guy. I think he's probably a day three guy, but the list of them is pretty extensive of getting into the league. And they're not all great players. Like you've seen like Chris Carson has, was it Chris Carson? Jalen uh, Warren's making it work. Jalen Warren. Jalen Warren. I was going to take Najee yeah. Harris's job, apparently. Jalen <laughs> Warren. Uh, is it Justice Hill? Yeah. Was yeah, Justice Hill was there. Chris Carson. Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard. Yeah, they're all kind of that that same guy. Not uber talented, I wouldn't say. Uh, but he kind of sticks with a guy when he has one. And I think he's he was a pretty high recruit. He was a four-star. He was, I think, the RB19 in the composite last year. Uh, so he's just the guy that I think if he can take that job, he'll run with it. I think the only other person there is that is it Elijah Collins that came home from Michigan State. Yeah. Is, yep. Yeah, whatever. Post type. Post type for Elijah Collins for yeah. sure. About about three yards, three years <laughs> yeah. post type, but and three yards of carry post type. <laughs> yeah. Coming back around, baby. Uh yeah. That's that's interesting. So fifteen hundred yards, what, what receiving wise, what do you think he could what what does he have to do this year to get to hit that point? I know he's probably like a couple hundred yards receiving. I think yeah. he, I think he get twelve hundred, thirteen hundred yards on the ground. 
Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. If if he's going to hit fifteen hundred, it's probably yeah. in like that three hundred, maybe three hundred and fifty receiving yard range. Yeah, even that's probably even the three fifty is probably pushing. I'd say yeah, somewhere 200, 300 yards. All right, well that might be like the spiciest realistic take we get on here because Matt Bruning's yeah. begging to come back on and predict Kyle McCord Heisman, so that'll be the spiciest. But I, I think um, we, we have those sound bites enough, don't we? Like yeah, three, right. Three years running. <laughs> we'll just play back the last two years. Yeah. Yeah, save us an extra recording night. Uh, Todd, well, thank you for for hopping on here with us. Again, guys, go follow Todd, seriously, at Hobart underscore Whipple on Twitter, FF League Winners. Got some articles over there, another one coming, and then with the Dynasty DGENs as well. Todd, you've been a member with us for a long time. We've interacted with you for a long time, talked to you for a long time. So thank you for you know always uh always being down to check us and uh and chat with us and uh really glad to, to finally meet you here on the show yeah thanks for having me all right all right glad we got a uh, a mention of felix's helicopter in there um <laughs> a fun little inside joke for for folks that have been around uh a long time like in with us here uh at c2c um Let's just get right into the Big 12 here, I guess. I mean, we, we've got a lot of teams to cover here. So um, thank you again, Todd, for joining us. Go check him out uh, at Hobart uh, underscore Whipple uh, on Twitter um, and, and check out the work that he has been doing lately. All right. So uh, we do these in alphabetical order. We're not going in, you know, in the order we project these teams to finish in or anything. So Baylor uh, is first up here. They are alphabetically first in the Big 12. Um, you know, I, I think we were mildly optimistic for a guy like Blake sheep and last year, a quarterback, but, uh, I don't, I, in, I don't think he's rosterable currently in a typical, and let's just drop this disclaimer at the beginning. When we say a typical league, a normal league for the purposes of the show, we're going to be talking about a 12 team, 45 man roster league. And you start two quarterbacks is essentially how you, how you do it, you know? But it's two running backs, three two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, and a hand, and a couple of flex. You know, however you want to. Uh, that that's that's what we're talking about with ordinary league. So, I don't think that Shapen needs to be rostered right now. He wasn't particularly good last year. Um, it's not like they have great wide receiver play there at, at the moment. I think the most notable player on their team is Richard Reese, the running back. So, I, I do you do you have Shapen anywhere? I I might have him in like a, a super like twenty fourteen type league, but I, I don't think in any normal ones I have him. No, I don't have shape in. I don't think I have shape in anywhere. I might have him in the the twenty teamer that we're in, the twenty teamer IDP one. I think I picked him up at one point, but I'm pretty sure I dropped him last year. Um, but somebody that I do have one place, Sawyer Robertson, the transfer in from Mississippi State, who was like a a pretty a pr- pretty solid recruit there. Um, Coming in, he was the number 16 class or number 16 QB in the class of 2021 prolific passer in Texas, 12,000 career yards, 146 touchdowns in high school. Um, I think he would have been a great quarterback in an air raid. We were talking about him as as possibly taking that job from Will Rogers um, back in 2021, I think it was. Um, So Troy Sawyer Robertson transfers in. Shapin will be the starter. I don't think Shapin's that great. So it really wouldn't surprise me if we see Sawyer Robertson this year. Not somebody I'm drafting at all, but just a name to tuck away because I think he was really intriguing. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have anything really to add to that. I mean, I did mention Reese earlier. He's an interesting guy because he came in last year as a true freshman and ran. I, I, he hit a thousand yards rushing, I, I believe, I think, or close yeah, to it. Yeah, pretty sure he did. Um, got a little banged up in the middle of the year, which is to be expected. He's like 180 pounds, 175 pounds. He's really, really small. Tiny. He's 190 now. Tiny. Oh, t- I thought you said 190. Tiny. I was like, oh, no, wow. tiny. I didn't, tiny, I didn't think tiny. that little body could um, 190. And he um, had uh, 972 rush yards, 14 touchdowns. Okay. So he was just too – I knew he was right just around shy. yards. So um, he, he's really, really interesting because if you think that he can basically do exactly what he did last year and stay healthy, you're talking about a guy that's rushing for you know 12 or 1,300 yards a la Deuce Vaughn the past couple of years. The problem is I'm just – those guys are just so hard to project that actually happening. Like, you know, the, the, the 170, 160 pound, uh, three down back is really an anomaly. I'm not really that sold on Reese overall. Our CFF team, I believe has him as an RB three, uh, in their, their, uh, rankings right now. So a guy that, you know, isn't a must have, but, uh, I mean, a C2C, he should be rostered. I, he just never excites me in drafts. I think, I think I have him on maybe one team. Um, but I, I'm a little skeptical overall. There's not a lot there to compete with him. So that that's, you know, the other difficult part of that. Yeah, I feel like I, I find that people either love Reese and they draft him fairly early or they hate him and they let him slip too far. Um, I tend to be on the, the side of letting him fall a little too far. Um, but I mean, I... I somebody in one of my drafts always ends up liking Richard Reese. So they take him decently early. I'm with you though. I think he's a little bit too small. Uh, you know, after he got banged up, they, they kind of moved away, not moved away from him, but sort of like reduced his carry amount uh, down the stretch there. And they bring in Dominic Richardson from Oklahoma state. Now, Dominic Richardson is not good. And I don't think any of our CFF team will disagree with that. Like his big appeal when he was at Oklahoma state was, you know, his potential touchdowns. I think there was one game where he had like three touchdowns and like 50 yards or something like ridiculous like that. He's, he's, he's in the, um, you know, Isaiah Bowser uh, realm of what made him attractive. It was all touchdowns. So I think they brought Richardson in probably to compliment Reese. And I think he's, I don't think he's good, but I think he's going to vulture enough touchdowns that Richard Reese isn't going to see those 14 touchdowns again. So I think that Reese's value is diminished a little bit by Richardson, even though Richardson's not very good. Man, our CFF team is going to have a field day with you I know. Uh, when they listen to this tomorrow. I, I can, know. Uh, I'll I tell know. you that right now. He's, I think, like I said, I think he's going to vulture some touchdowns and it's going to limit Reese's um, production ceiling. Could see it. I mean, those 14 touchdowns, definitely something that he probably relied on a little bit for fantasy value yeah. uh, overall last year. Wide receiver. I wrote down Monterey Baldwin because I know <laughs> that he has some folks that like him. And I do think if we're talking about just his, his ability to make it to the NFL, I think he has a calling card that's going to get yes. there. He is, if not the fastest player right now in college football, uh, pretty dang close to it. Um, he's, he's, really really fast i think the problems with him overall just in terms of what we're thinking about for a c2c league with you know is he going to produce a lot for me in college 
is he going to be a, a fantasy relevant player in the NFL? I think we just talked about the quarterback situation here isn't really perfect right now. So I, I don't know that he quite gets the looks here that would make him uh, a guy that I think is going to be really productive this year for, for college fantasy. And then the NFL, I do think, again, the speed gets him drafted just flat out. We've seen worse football players than Monterey Baldwin get drafted because they're as fast as Monterey Baldwin. I think the problem is going to be he's probably a fourth, fifth, sixth round kind of guy. I, I, he's kind of a role guy in the NFL. Can he be, you know, Ray Ray McLeod or, yeah. you know, one of these kind of fourth wide receiver on a depth chart kind of guy in the NFL that you, you put out there on kick returns and maybe, um, you know, uh, situationally. I, I think that's him moving forward. So it's just why I personally do not think he's rosterable in a normal league. But I do think, again, the speed probably gets him drafted. So I think like if you're talking maybe power five only and it's a deeper power five only, I could see it. If it's just a deeper regular league, I could see that too. I'm just not super excited about his NFL potential right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he is, he will make the NFL. Is he a player you're ever going to want to start in the NFL? Probably not. Um, I was listening to the burning the red shirt, big 12 um, mm -hmm. preview. And, and something that stuck out to me there when they were talking about him is he's definitely one of those guys that would be, better in best ball. And, you know, we say that all the time about different players, but I, I think it truly is true with Monterey Baldwin. Like I would not roster him in a standard league. If it's best ball, I would definitely consider it because he's the type of guy that could put up a hundred yards and two touchdowns on three catches. Like he has that kind of stupid speed. Uh, he can also get you one for 10. Um, so I don't want to have to ever try to figure out when I would want to play him. Um, but in a best ball, you wouldn't have to do that. So you could get those boom weeks. So I had understand it from that perspective. Yeah. Fair point on the best ball. Um, we'll go over to BYU here. And I do think there are some interesting, uh, names to discuss, even though I don't feel amazing about anybody on this team, except for maybe the running back. Keaton Slovis is here. And for anybody who knows <laughs> about Keaton Slovis and me, we are oil and, and, um, Oh, what is it? Oil and uh, water. Water. We just do not mix at all. Um, I've consistently been a Keaton Slovis hater. He then got me back by going to my Pitt Panthers last year and sucking for them. Um, <laughs> I do think that BYU actually offers an intriguing opportunity for him to rebound some college fantasy value. Some. 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 Being the main. I, I think the arm is shot. He's had too many shoulder injuries. I, I do not think he's a legitimate NFL quarterback, but I do think he could be, you could do worse in the 40th plus round if you desperately need a quarterback in your draft. And that's what I will say about Keaton Slovis. Um, eh, I don't know. I don't think he's really rosterable in, um, in a, in a standard league. I, I wouldn't roster him now that, doesn't necessarily mean I'm not interested in anybody in this offense. Um, you know, if we move into the wide receivers here, I actually kind of like um, Cody Epps. Um, he was a three-star from modern day. Uh, he had a, a crazy senior year there. 93 catches, 1,700 yards, and 28 touchdowns. Um and then last year, he was second on the team in receptions and touchdowns, third in yards. So he was pretty productive last year. Uh, that was his redshirt freshman year. And he was pretty versatile. 56.9% in the slot. So he, they moved him around. 
7.5% ADOT, 49% of his yards came from yards after the catch. So I think he's actually going to be a decent fit with noodle arm Slovis. Like he can't throw very far downfield and Epps is pretty fast and should operate near the line of scrimmage uh, and can get some yards after the catch. So I am interested in Epps uh, and we saw a picture on Twitter of him hanging out with Keaton Slovis. So you got the, uh, the hanging out off the field connection, which always is, uh, is something noteworthy with uh, receivers and quarterbacks. We love the off field connection. We love the what is roommates. it called? The, 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 the roommate narrative or the shower narrative? I mean, there's a lot of different, uh, <laughs> a lot of different narratives here that we can, we can point to for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I think all the wide receivers there are interesting if we can figure them out. And it's funny because yeah. our CFF team doesn't really feel good about any of them because they have Keanu Hill at 104, Chase Roberts at 110, and Kobe Cody Epps at 157. Um, so it's an interesting trio there. Um, you, you, who's your money on, Colin? Officially, Cody Epps. Your your money's on Epps. I kind yeah. of like Roberts, but I, I really any of these three doing it wouldn't shock me, and that's what makes drafting them with any sort of uh expensive or, or valuable pick uh difficult just because you, you you could be worthless by week three so and uh yeah. if you have some waiver ads in your league those are names to monitor maybe i see in a lot of leagues that uh at least two of them if not all three end up going undrafted a lot of the time and um just uh pay attention to their their target shares uh, and snap percentages uh early in the season to see what's going on there uh i mean do we want to talk Eden robbins i don't know that there's a lot to talk about with him this is his third team now, I believe. He's never quite lived up to what we expected out of him, but he's also kind of been uh, gotten like banged up at, at uh, you know inconvenient times. So I, he's a, probably a top 36 to 40 CFF option this year. So should definitely be rostered. He's not like a super sexy guy. I probably don't want him starting on a team if I'm uh, hopeful for really competing, but I do think he can be a weekly starter, like a you know a flex you know, fill-in type guy uh, if you need him. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And I think, you know, we we had some hope for some guys last year um, for BYU. Um, how long, how many weeks on the waiver segment yeah. did we spend trying to figure out this? Yeah, back? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, part of the problem from last year is BYU is 114th in line yards. Oof. Now they do bring back two, their two best starters, one who could potentially be a, a, you know, early round draft pick and they bring in two transfers on the O-line too. So they did beef this up a little bit. So I think this will be a little better. And I do agree with you. I think Aiden Robbins is going to be like starter worthy. It's not going to be like last year where we were trying to figure this room out. Like, I think it is Robbins and he'll be fine. Um, Moving away. Oh, well, Isaac Rex, I think is just the name worth mentioning. Yeah. And I do think, um, as with, I think a couple of tight ends, we're actually going to talk about from this conference. I think Isaac Rex could be a potential post hype kind of guy. He's a pretty good player. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, yeah. he's a little older, uh, and he's not like the most, the world's most amazing athlete. So you're probably, if you're taking him, he could be a late round NFL guy. Um, but I think he's, he's, you're, you're maybe taking him for more CFF stuff, but I do think that he could be decent here for BYU. They have in the past used the tight end. And Rex, uh, it was injured. Was it late the year prior? 
that kind of dragged into so. last year. And I don't know that he yeah. was ever like a hundred percent correct, but you know, give him another year here now. And I yeah. do think that he is interesting. He's not a guy that I think I've pulled the trigger on. I've had him in a bunch of queues this year, but I do have him watch listed a bunch of places. And again, another guy that I'll probably be monitoring the, the target uh, breakouts early in the season here for BYU. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's definitely fair. Tight ends a pretty shallow position. So, you know, we've seen it from him for stretches. If you want to go back to the Isaacs Rex, well, I, I don't, I wouldn't fault you for that. Uh, we've talked a lot on this, on these previews so far about there basically being two different tight end strategies. The one being you have an anchor tight end, you have Brock Bowers, you have Ronda Gadsden, maybe JT Sanders. And so that's going to be your weekly guy. And so after that, you, you really, if you don't want to, you don't need to waste a bunch of roster spots on tight ends because you probably have your guy anyway. Uh, if he goes down, then, you know, you're, you're just like you're everybody trying. else, essentially yeah. at the position. So it doesn't matter. And then the other alternative is you basically roster like four to six tight ends and none of them are amazing or world beating, or at least aren't looking that way right now. And you can kind of mix and match depending on who plays well opponent, uh, et cetera. So then, and, and I think Rex can fall into one of those builds where you have four to six tight ends. Uh, maybe you have a couple different rosters and you kind of want to have different versions of those kind of setups on, on a couple different teams and, you know, include Rex in the, uh, the rotation there uh, in that manner. Uh, let's go over to Cincy here, another new team here uh, to the conference. And I'm curious to see how they step up here because uh, Cincy over the past couple of years has been led by Luke Fickle and he is now gone. So new coaching staff here, uh, Scott Satterfield comes over from Louisville. Um, so, and it's really like all the major pieces on that team that made it to the playoff a couple of years ago and had those couple of good years for Cincy are all gone now. So they're it's it, it, basically starting entirely anew here, new conference, new coaching staff, new players, new everything. Emory Jones is supposed to be the starting quarterback. Stop me if you've heard this one before, but he is mildly intriguing because of how athletic he is as a quarterback. He's failed at Florida and at Arizona state now. So He's not a guy that I'm really excited for. In fact, I don't think I've drafted him anywhere this year, but he's out there and he's a starting quarterback. So in deeper formats, I mean, he probably should be rostered just uh, because of the shortage of quarterbacks. And he does have athletic upside. You know, we've never really seen him take advantage of it. So is it really there? I don't know. But the perception is that it exists. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Emory Jones is a guy that I'm willing to roster in it. Um in a standard league as, you know, my QB like four or five because of the athleticism. And, you know, we've seen Scott Satterfield use athletic QBs. You know, he just, he used them with um, Malik Cunningham. Now I'm not saying Emory Jones is going to be Malik Cunningham, but Scott Satterfield knows how to use athletic QBs. And Emory Jones is the only guy in that room. Ben Bryant transferred out to Northwestern. Evan Prater moved to wide receiver now officially. So, it's it's Emory Jones, and then that's that's really it for this year. So, you know, I don't think they're going to pull him at any point. And I think this team, like you said, a lot of the the top players are gone from those years that we remember fondly. The defenses aren't going to be quite as good. So this is a team that I don't think they're going to be that great, and they're going to need to move the ball on offense. And I think Emory Jones is really going to be the guy who does that. So. Just garbage time stats, volume guy. I think he could have some some nice weeks for you. So I'm willing to roster Jones. Um, 
I I do like Brady Drogish a lot more. The the true for the freshman. future. I've drafted him a lot. Yeah, I, I have him stashed. I don't know, maybe five or six leagues. I think if I've said this on a, at least one or two other shows, potentially this one, maybe not. Um, that I think there's a chance that he starts at least one game this year. To, if they get to the end of the year, the team's not particularly good. Emory Jones is definitely not the future. I actually think this. I think it's he last gets year, caught up in knows? these. But Emory Jones has been around for forever. Like I doubt he has a ton of time uh, in college football left. But yeah, I, I think Drogish is definitely the future there, and he apparently looked good in spring for whatever that's worth. Um, Corey Kiner at running back. I'm like moderately intrigued by Corey Kiner this year. I kind of dropped a little question in our CFF chat the other day because like Satterfield has used the running back in the past. He's produced fantasy relevant guys. And I think Kiner is like actually good. So I, that makes him intriguing to me as another kind of post hype guy here, uh, you know, started his career at LSU transferred up or transferred over. Um, so he's, he's been around for a while, but I, I think he's a, a interesting and talented player. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested in Kiner as well. You know, I, I, I liked him last year for sure. Kind of disappointed a little bit, you know, he didn't really do much. He, he, he was in the rotation. I, I think that he's the most talented running back on that roster. And I'm hoping that a new staff like puts him to use. I'm not holding my breath for him, but I definitely think he's a guy who's worth rostering. And I do think he's a pretty, pretty talented running back, you know, especially for the, you know, a low power five team. Like, I think that's, that's pretty good for him. So is there an NFL future there for him? I don't know, maybe, Um, but uh, he's definitely an intriguing guy at least. Are there any receivers that we want here? I know people have been hyping up what's Brady Jackson is that true freshman? Barry, Barry Jackson. Thank you. Um, but I think it's too early to roster him. I, we we just don't know yet. And I don't know if this offense is prolific enough to support anybody this year anyway from a passing perspective. Yeah, I completely agree. Barry Jackson's a guy worth keeping an eye on because he has gotten um, a good amount of buzz in the spring. Um, you know, and, and he was uh, – he was – very athletic. Uh, he was a track guy, ran track, had just some jumps to like, he was like a jumper in track as well. So good athlete. Um, just as he's a small guy, kind of like a, a jitterbug type guy. So, you know, worth keeping an eye on, but yeah, way too early to roster him. I'm not drafting him anywhere. I don't think I have, I, I don't have him drafted even in like our 24 teamers. The tight end here, probably Shimon Metier. Uh, a guy that I probably overhyped last year. Is that <laughs> probably, maybe, it's possibly? The, it's about the know. closest thing to an admission of potentially being wrong that we'll ever get matter, out of you. you know, so. it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What are we even talking about this for? Um, he's he's like 6'5", 6'6", 260. He's a freaking just amazing athlete. Um, but I do think there's actually, again, a little bit of post-hype type stuff here. Uh, where they just don't really have an amazing pass catchers. I'm not saying he's going to go out and have 800 yards and five touchdowns this year, but 400 yards, a handful of touchdowns. Like I could definitely see him doing that. He tore up that spring game last year. I think I think he's a legitimately pretty good player. I, Josh Wiley was in front of him for whatever reason last year. I mean, Wiley was an NFL tight end, but like 
I think we, really, like, realistically, like, Metier, if he, if he can get unleashed, I think has a significantly higher ceiling. He could. So here, here's actually what really could happen with these tight ends. He could be one of those guys that's just so athletic that it doesn't matter at all what he did in college, and he still gets drafted pretty well into the NFL. We're talking. Look at uh, Chig at, at, with the Titans. Yeah, Chig. I didn't cool. do anything in college really. I mean, he was he had he was okay his final year there, but he wasn't anything special and got you know, pretty good draft capital. And now he's getting hyped because he's a super athletic guy. And there are other examples of that in the NFL as well. You don't, we, I, you know, Medier doesn't ever even have to be ever good. You can sell him if he's, if he's athletic and gets drafted to the NFL and gets some training camp hype. I mean, that that's how a lot of these tight ends just have to work for you. Yeah. I mean, realistically it is, you know, there's, there's two kind of buckets for tight ends for me. There's guys who I think are going to be productive in college. And then there's guys that I think could be good in the NFL, but be, they're mostly based on their athletic athleticism. Um, there's very, very few that are in both buckets. So, you know, if you're somebody who wants to chase like a Devi tight end, this is a very, very cheap option. So I think he's still rosterable for sure. And I mean, we did see Scott Satterfield use Marshawn Ford uh, at the tight end at Louisville. So there potentially could be some production here, but yeah, I mean, I'm not as excited about him as I was at this time last year. Uh, Houston. We're going to talk about Colin's favorite player in college football here. Donovan Smith, who's stepping in to replace Clayton Toon Smith, as we've talked about on the show multiple times. Coming over from Texas Tech, not an offense that really suited his skill set. We think this offense will probably be a little bit better for him overall, pushing the ball downfield, running around a bunch. He can definitely do those things. The ceiling is sky high. You know, Chris K has him projected as like a, the top tight end in college football or something like that. Quarterback. I, a quarterback, sorry. But there's also just the, the 50-50 option where he also just like ends up not being very good at football and like not keeping this job. So like there's definitely a wide range of outcomes here. Um, But I do think he's an interesting guy. I think I have him right around QB 40 in my rankings. Where where do you have him call a little bit higher than that? Um, Yeah. I mean, I definitely have him higher than that. I don't Let me pull mine up here real quick. It's in, it's definitely higher than you. Um, I have him as my QB 27. Wow, that's aggressive. But uh, we've had this discussion before. We don't need to beat this horse uh, to death again. And I know no, some people do don't not. listen to every show, so they haven't heard this discussion. But it boils down to, like, I'm not certain he's actually good at football. Colin thinks he is. is. And so, you know, there's yeah. the, the disconnect. But I do think there's, there's certainly a chance that I, you know, he ends up being very good. So I'm not, it's not necessarily a disagreement. It's just a, mm. where do we think the realistic outcome is? And I think yeah. your range is a little higher than mine. Yeah, I mean, he was solid in 2021, um, like 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns, two interceptions, um, 61.2% completion percentage, um, 8.86 adjusted yards per attempt. So that's like above like the threshold that you want to see for um, at that point, it was his second year quarterback. So, I mean, he's, I think it was his redshirt freshman year. Um, so he's like, I think he's a solid quarterback. Um, we'll see how he develops here. Holgerson has put some guys in the NFL quarterbacks. Like, you know, none of them have been great, but, you know, he has put some guys in the NFL. Um, so I am 
higher on Smith than you are, but I also just, I really like this offense. Um, Dana Holgerson's offense. We know we like it. 44th in pace last year, 68th in neutral game script pass rate. Both of those are actually like kind of on the lower side for Holgerson's offenses. So um, I, I think that that's kind of like a floor in terms of pace and neutral game script pass rate. Um, the running backs here, uh, Alton McCaskill two years ago broke out, had a really good freshman year last year during spring towards ACL, missed the entire season. And then this year came back, apparently looked good in spring practice. And then right as the portal closed, he entered it and he's now in Colorado. So we're trying to figure out who's the replacement. I'm honestly not really sure it matters. <laughs> Is that, you know, a bad answer? I don't think I like any of the guys that are in contention for starting really the only guy that I think is potentially rosterable is Parker Jenkins, who is a true freshman, really athletic kid who is a stash option for you. Uh, and that's really, I think again, the only guy that I like on this team currently. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, Tony Matthews jr. Came in from Western uh, West Virginia, but I don't really think he's that good. And Stacy Sneed is there too. He was okay last year at times, but I don't think either of those guys are that great. Parker Jenkins is an intriguing option. He's a guy that I would draft in a startup, but I would not draft in a supplemental. Like I would take him late in a startup, like 40th round, whatever, um, for hope. But I probably wouldn't take him in a supplemental just because those are just kind of like different drafts. Um, yeah, I, I draft I actually, differently for that. I actually kind of agree. And we've talked a little bit about that, uh, previously on this show. Um, wide receivers, I think is really kind of the, the best player on this team is a wide receiver. I think we think for fantasy purposes, at least that's Matthew golden, who's entering his second year here, um, with the Cougars. He's kind of got that ideal build that we like for wide receivers. Now six foot, six foot one around 190 ish pounds, um, had a pretty good freshman year last year overall. I believe he was second on the team in receiving. Um, we think he steps into the, the top role, but I think the keyword there is the keyword there is thinks because there's some other fairly talented players at the wide receiver position, specifically Sam Brown, who our CFF team has ranked as the 84th wide receiver overall. Stefan Johnson is a second year guy who's coming over from Oklahoma State. He actually broke out last year at Oklahoma State uh, over Talon Shetron, who we really, really liked. He, he's now here. There's a couple other names to sprinkle in, a guy like Joseph Manjack, maybe. Um, so overall, I actually think this is probably the deepest wide receiver room that Houston has had in quite some time, even though they lose Tank Dell. And while I think that Golden's probably the best player here, I think that it's not certain. And if Donovan Smith is closer to my end of potential you know, thinking than Collins' potential end of thinking, then this might just not be a time where we like Houston's number one wide receiver, even though we typically have in the past. So I do think there is some risk, some serious risk attached to Matthew Golden, but even if I think he's a pretty good player overall. Yeah, I, I understand the um, little bit of concern there. Um, Nathaniel Dell last year, 33% target percentage, like just blew everybody else out of the water. Um, and I don't think we're going to see that for Golden. But Golden last year, 12% target share as a true freshman. I think that's really good. Um, like you said, he was he was technically third on the team in yards, but um, second in in receptions and, and touchdowns. Um, but I, or no, third third in 
interceptions too. So I was looking at that wrong, but so, so very good freshman year season. I think the biggest thing for me is we don't necessarily need him to be tank Dell uh, because Houston or uh, Dana Holgerson's offenses have supported two good wide receivers in the past. Um, when he was at West Virginia, David Sills and um, G- Gary Jennings were both thousand yard receivers. I think they both had like 80 catches, um, you know, eight to 10 touchdowns. So like they were both very good receivers. So he, Dana Holgerson's offense has supported two good receivers before. It's just the past two years, Tank Dell has been so good. You know, he's had 1,300 yards both years, 14 touchdowns, one year, 17 touchdowns this past year um, that he's just dominated the touches. So uh, we won't see Dell level production at a golden, but I don't necessarily think that that's, that doesn't scare me. Like I, like I talked about on my bold prediction, I, I think golden's still going to have a very good year. Um, Iowa State, this is a team that we, it's really hard to talk about them because allegedly, supposedly, there are some gambling, uh, there's some fallout from a gambling scandal potentially here. And it doesn't sound like it's guys were throwing games or anything. I don't want to give it that that does not sound like what it what it is. Um, but guys that broke whatever the NCAA uh, rules say about gambling regardless and supposedly allegedly whatever it involves potentially two two of their <laughs> best players and hunter decker is their starting quarterback and jarell brock who was competing to be their starting running back so we don't know anything they asked their coach at big 12 media day uh about it and if he had any more information he basically said like we haven't heard anything still we're still waiting for a ruling we don't even know what to kind of prepare for so until then you know business as usual as they start getting ready for the season but we're gonna find out before the season so just something to monitor here this could be a team that just really has a lot of turnover uh because you know decker started a quarterback last year brock and Norton both started at running back, depending on who was healthy. And then uh, Xavier Hutchinson is gone too. They're starting a big wide receiver. So um, this is a team that's really starting from scratch here. So we're looking, I, I because of all this stuff, I don't think Deckers is rosterable right now if you're drafting. If you have him, probably a hold unless you really need a roster spot, and then I think you can drop him and he'd probably be okay overall. I don't know what's going to happen here. I do think there's a chance that if J.J. Cole, the true freshman, takes over this year and looks fine, he takes the job. And J.J. Cole is 6'6". He has the strongest arm in the class by a lot. And he's kind of Brock Osweiler-ish. <laughs> probably He's probably a little more mobile than that. Like maybe he's closer to a Paxton Lynch. And don't let these things necessarily like scare you off of him as a college QB because Brock Osweiler and Paxton Lynch were fairly solid college QBs, all things yes. considered. But it's just hard in this day and age to be that archetype and succeed in the NFL. So if you're taking a J.J. Cole, who I think can be a late-round guy now, uh, who I, I personally don't really like the player that much, but I think if you're drafting him and hoping that the upside ends up developing a little bit for college, then that's cool. But I think uh, NFL is going to be really, really tough uh, for him to achieve personally. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I think he's got that huge arm. I don't love the rest of his game. Um, so I, I'm not really drafting him anywhere, but I 
definitely get the appeal. And especially with, if there is that Decker suspension, like we've been hearing rumors about, because if there is like Rocco Becht is the other guy on the roster. And I don't even know who that is. Like I'm getting that straight out of the CFF guy. Rocco's modern life. <laughs> Okay, that's my um, so I mean, you could be potentially getting four starting years of of JJ Cole, and they do have a new offensive coordinator in Nate Skielhasi. I probably pronounced that one wrong. Um, so I mean, we could see a, a little bit more of an interesting offense there. So some appeal for JJ Cole. He's just not my cup of tea, personally. Um, if Brock is out and again, I think Brock probably not rosterable right now. Um, Mm. Cartavius Norton in line to be the starter again. Uh, this was a whole thing last off season for anybody that's joined with us since then. Um, I don't want to say we were, were we, I was a big Cartavius Norton fan. I don't want to put words in your mouth if you know, they don't belong there. Uh, (laughs) Um, I was a big Cartavius Norton fan. Hyped him up a lot. Was a guy that I was taking in like mid late supplementals and startups. If I was doing them, I think he's a good player. I think he's a really good player. Um, was kind of eh, never really healthy last year. Like sprained his ankle, I think, like early, and it just never everything kind of you know snowballed from there. And their offensive line was also one of the worst in college football last year, which did absolutely nothing for either him or uh, Brock overall. So. Uh, not a great year for him, but I do think there were a lot of things outside of his control. I think he can bounce back this year. How much better is the offensive line? I don't know if they can't pass the ball because Deckers isn't there. Not that he was amazing last year. You know, we're talking stacked boxes. I don't know, but I do think I probably am okay rostering Norton if I, if I need to, uh, because I do think he's a good player, but I just, I'm not really sure what to expect this year overall. Yeah, I agree with that. I like Norton as a player. You know, I, I wasn't quite as high on him as you were, but I did like Norton. Um, and I know, you know, we kind of liked the Iowa State running back, given the success we saw out of David Montgomery and then Brees Hall. So we kind of had an eye on that position. Like you said, it was disappointing last year, and the offensive line was terrible. They do bring back three starters for what that's worth. But that could also be a, you know, uh, is it a good thing to bring back three starters from an offensive line that was that bad? It's hard to say. But I I am interested in Norton this year, um, especially given like the news on the Brock suspension. Like it was kind of frustrating last year with between Norton and Brock. If Brock does end up getting suspended, then Norton's the guy. And, you know, they potentially could be breaking in a freshman quarterback. They could be leaning on Norton fairly heavily. So I do still like Norton. A little bit of the shine has come off of him, but I think he's a good potential post-type sleeper guy. Again, and you know, post-type sleeper from our perspective. I know not everybody was out there hyping him up. Um, wide receiver, it sounds like Jalen Noel is going to be the guy that kind of steps in, but again, it's just so much in flux that I'm not really in, I'm not excited about him. He is probably a fringy rosterable guy. I think the CFF team has him in the 80s again. So that's, you know, you're starting to get into questionable territory there. Yeah, I Noel's interesting to me. But at again, at this point, we, we said it like the whole thing with Iowa State is like what happens with those suspensions? Because we don't know, I'm not rostering Noel. If we knew he was out there, then 
sure, potentially. But at this point, I'm not rostering it. Let's go over to Kansas. Some interesting players, you know, in the past, we probably would have just said Kansas by Kansas. Um, but we're we're staying here for a few minutes. They have Jalen Daniels, a quarterback. Had a really hot start to the year last year, got injured, um, and then, you know, ca- kind of came back late in the season, but was not quite as effective as he was early in the year. So he's he's going to be healthy here coming in uh, to the year. They did say he looked good uh, in spring overall. Um, we talked about, we, there's another guy that we actually have kind of talked about recently as a player that has actually dropped a little bit in my rankings because he's actually not very tall, not as big as I thought he was, um, which I think hurts his NFL potential and our CFF team is not super high on him, uh, overall this year. So, but he does have a nice dual threat. Uh, ability last year ran for 425 yards and seven touchdowns completed 66 percent of his passes um so and, and again that was in it was in nine games but i believe he he left at least one early and you know was was never fully healthy after that so he's definitely rosterable i think he's an interesting guy um but not a guy that i if i'm competing i do not want him to be a guy that i'm planning on starting week in week out um but it's definitely a nice depth option for you I, I think he's probably a, a day three NFL draft pick too. Yeah, I think I agree with most of that. You know, last year he was the QB 32 in a points per game basis. I think that's repeatable for him. I think he could be a really solid QB three for you. So if he, if you, if it's a start QB three QB league, then um, I'm okay starting him. If it's just start two QBs, he's I I like having him on my bench as a guy that I could rotate in matchup depending kind of a thing so I do still like Daniels from a CFF perspective I think he's I do think he's a little bit overhyped right now Uh, and then like you said with him checking in a little bit shorter than anticipated uh, he's probably more in that day three NFL category um, which if I'm saying day three you know that means something it does it does Um, Devin Neal um, I, where where should we take this conversation, Colin? Where should we take the Devin Neal conversation? <laughs> oh man, um, look, I like Devin Neal still. I do. So waiting for a butt. Um, I I don't know how much I want to rely on him for CFF purposes. Um, he did have over a thousand yards last year. He had nine touchdowns. Um, and Kai Thomas is gone, but they still have Daniel Hishaw there. Um, and they brought in um, a transfer as well, Dylan McDuffie. I don't really think Dylan McDuffie's that great, but Kansas could be like a, a fair level for him. So I think he's still by far the most talented running back in the room. I think it could be a little bit of a frustrating mix of Neil Hishaw and McDuffie. I like Neil as a talent for the player, but I don't know what the NFL is going to think of him. And that's where it scares me a little bit. <sighs> yeah, I think you summed up my thoughts pretty well there. I, High Shaw will take away just enough to be annoying um, in terms of uh, college production. But I do think if we're talking and comparing him to a guy like Sean Tucker, that you know, was from another 
uh, well, Syracuse has some history. So I'm, I'm, I'm really just like not necessarily super happy to put them in the same conversation as Kansas. And I'm sure Syracuse fans would be happy to remind me of that. I'm aware. Um, but like in terms of stature as a college program right now, like neither are really kind of NFL hotspots. So you're not, you're not expecting a ton of great uh, offensive skill talent to come out of those two places. I do think Neil is, I think he's a better athlete than Tucker. And I think he's a little bit bigger and I think he's a little more physical. I so, think he's a better athlete overall. Yeah. I think Tucker's straight line faster. So if you're just going to base it on the 40 time, I think Tucker would run a faster 40 if he had run it. He didn't gonna say it. We don't even know. Yeah. Didn't, I don't think he was, he was allowed to. So or he ran the secret one. Was that out? There was some sort of weird thing with him. In yeah. The 40th, so um, whatever. Um, wide receiver. I don't think any of these guys are players that I want on a team. I know some people talk about Grimm, uh, G-R-I-M-M. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm not really interested in any of them. It's a, see it before I invest type of thing. Same with their tight end, Mason Fairchild. Although I know some people are a little higher uh, on Fairchild and he's not a bad player by any stretch. Yeah, I think Fairchild's fine. If you want to roster a pass catcher, he's the one to to roster, especially because like we talked about tight end, not the strongest of positions. So if you want to roster him, you want to throw him in your stable of tight ends. If you don't have an anchor tight end, I think that's totally fine. Uh, again, just, not uh, kind of like jj cole just not my cup of tea personally like i don't have mason fairchild anywhere there's just other players other tight ends that i like better so i roster them instead kansas state i'll go we'll go to the other side of kansas here um some interesting players i think will howard's become a little bit of a uh debbie darling i don't know nfl draft darling the senior bowl guys highlighted him as a player that they're watching this year came in in relief of Adrian Martinez last year and played fairly well down the stretch overall. He's big. He's like 6'5", 240, which I didn't quite realize he was that big. Uh, he's up from our neck of the woods, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, sort of. What is he, Downingtown? Allentown? Yeah, Something Downingtown. Like, you know, Philly-ish area for yeah. people not familiar with PA. Um, I, I think it, there is a chance that he's really good this year and he goes to the NFL. Again, probably not a first-round guy. Um, but I think he will get a little bit of hype because of his size. Uh, he's pretty mobile. Uh, he's got a pretty good arm and he definitely is not, um, like he's not just tools. Like he, he's not a bad quarterback either by any stretch. So I, I do think he's interesting overall. If he was at a better program, maybe I'd project him to do a little bit better this year overall or a little more productive. Um, but, uh, I still think he's a good player should definitely be roster rostered. And, um, I, I have, I've taken him a couple places this year in supplementals. He's available in a lot of supplementals. Yeah, he is available in a lot of supplementals and he's definitely a guy that I want to draft, um, in, in supplementals. You know, I, I don't want to say early or anything, but you know, he's one of the first supplemental guys that i'm i'm looking at he's in that first crop um he finished last year as the qb 33 on a points per game basis and that includes some games where he like didn't even really start or anything so i think he's going to be solid for cff for you and like you said i think there is going to be some nfl draft buzz for him because he is mobile it didn't the stats won't really show it that much last year but he was dealing with an ankle injury last year like pretty much the, the whole season, but, um, you know, starter Adrian Martinez was hurt. 
So, you know, they rolled out Will Howard and they, they kept him out there. They just kind of limited him running. They're going to run the ball. I mean, Colin, offensive coordinator Colin Klein, it was a, a mobile quarterback himself. And I think he's going to want to have his quarterback, you know, on the move and, and incorporate the QB in the run game. So I would expect an uptick there. Size, athleticism, arm. It's going to get him some NFL draft buzz. But I, th- I think ultimately he's like a like back end of the day two, early day three, like around three, four quarterback. So that's what scares me a little bit about Will Howard is only getting that one year of, of production. Like if he decides he wants to take that jump and just go get drafted in the third or fourth round and then not do anything for your NFL team really other than like hang around on a backup and maybe get a Kirk Cousins opportunity at some point. But those are pretty rare. So I would prefer it if Howard stays for two years, but that's selfish. Don't be hating on, on Kirk, bro. Well, I'm just saying Kirk Cousins opportunities are, are rare. They don't come around all that often where you sit as a backup, you get drafted to be a backup and then get a starting opportunity. You know, like Dak hurts. So those guys are still starters, but those opportunities don't come around that often. Uh, at running back, they bring in Trayshawn Ward, who transferred over from Florida State, was kind of a rotational uh, guy there for them. Um, they also have uh, uh, DJ Giddens there, so they are kind of the two backs competing for that. Ward a little smaller, Giddens a little bigger, but neither uh, or both are, are adequate sized. I'm interested to see who ends up getting this job or how it shakes out. I do fear that it could be annoyingly uh evenly split so that neither guy really stands out from a fantasy perspective um so uh, i i i find myself being a little more interested in ward overall but i don't know that it's a foregone conclusion that that's how it ends up working out i don't necessarily know it's a foregone conclusion but i think ward is a good bit more talented than giddens um ward last year was like the starter for Florida State. And through the first three games, he had 200-yard games. And then he got hurt early in the game against NC State. Trey Benson kind of seized the opportunity and just started siphoning off more and more work. And we know what people think of Trey Benson right now. You know, so Ward sort of got Wally pipped there. Now, moving to Kansas State, an open back, mostly open backfield, I think he's going to be the starter. Um, but I, and it's a little bit weird right now because I think in CFF, he's going a little bit too high. And I think in C2C, he's going a little too low. Um, so it's a kind of a weird dichotomy right now, but I, I like Treshawn Ward. He was one of the guys that I wrote up in the Debbie guide, honorable mentions. Um, any thoughts on, uh, Ben Sinat? Um, well, we're jumping over my other guy that I wrote up for the, uh, going to get around to him. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. We'll get, we'll come back to him then. Ben Sinat is a guy that I do, uh, like as well. Um, as a tight end, he's kind of like H back ish, but he's got pretty good size. He's like 245 pounds. He's like six, four, six, five ish. Um, he was pretty solid last year, you know, 12.7% target share. Especially once 
Uh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. Once Will Howard came in oh, yeah. uh, down the stretch, seven for 89 and two, three for 85 and one, one for 11, two for 32 and one, three for 48. Uh, and that game, that bowl game against Alabama, that's a pretty good end of the year mm-hmm. there. The last yeah. you know, six games or whatever. Yeah, I agree. And, and like I said, target share was decent and there's not a lot of other options in this passing attack. Um, other than the guy that we'll mention in a minute. So I do like Ben Sinat, and he's definitely one of the tight ends that I tend to target in that like cluster of uh, my tight end rotation, like five, six guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, Keegan Johnson, Colin, oh, okay. go ahead and you can, you can wax poetic on Keegan jo- Johnson, a guy that we've talked a little bit about uh, here this off season. Thank you. Uh, thank you for not totally forgetting him. Um, no, Keegan Johnson is a guy that I do like, um, at four-star recruit, second ranked athlete in the class of 2021 immediate impact as a freshman at Iowa, uh, 18 catches, 352 yards, two touchdowns. It was second on the team. Um, and then he missed last year, he missed 10 games due to injury. So just wipe out that whole year, uh, but he's a good athlete. And I think he is a pretty versatile wide receiver. I think he's going to bring some uh, a nice receiving option to this passing attack. Like I just said, Ben Sinat, really the only guy there uh, outside of, of Keegan Johnson. They bring back Phillip Brooks, but I'm not overly impressed with Phillip Brooks. I think Keegan Johnson's the most talented guy on this offense uh, or on this um, in this receiver room. So I think he's going to, and they've been raving about him in spring too. So I think he's going to have a pretty sizable role. Uh, let's go to Oklahoma. One of the big boys here in the conference on their way out the door here. Uh, we've talked about the uh, Jackson Arnold quite a bit this year. He's the true freshman uh, quarterback, one of the quote unquote big five uh, in, in this year's class that we are very excited for. Won the Elite 11 this past year. Uh, he's the backup. So we're starting with him, but he's the backup. Dylan Gabriel's the starter. Both should be rostered for sure. Arnold should go way earlier than Gabriel. And while Gabriel technically has two years of eligibility left, this seems like a scenario uh, based on A, his pedigree, and B, how good Arnold was in the spring, that they're going to kindly say thank you, Dylan Gabriel, and give him a little kick on the butt out the door. Um, and, And Arnold's job almost certainly going into 2024. So one of those guys that you stash definitely accrues some value this year not expecting him to play at all. And Gabriel in the meantime will probably be fairly productive overall, although not a world beater by any stretch. We know what Dylan Gabriel is by this point, you know, pop gun arm can run around and do a little bit, but nothing spectacular. Yeah. uh, I think, you know, pop gun arm, nothing spectacular in terms of like actual quarterbacking, but I think he could be really good for CFF. I mean, he was a QB 21 last year, and that included like on a points per game basis, um, 23.9 fantasy points per game. And that includes a couple games where he, you know, got knocked out of. Um, so I think Dylan Gabriel is a, you know, really solid CFF option. Like I am excited to start him. I think he'll be good, but probably limited NFL future. I do tend to agree with you that um, after this year, they'll probably gently tell him to get out the door so they can turn it over to Jackson Arnold, who is just a better version of Dylan Gabriel. 
Gabriel strikes me as the kind of guy that if he transfers out, he goes somewhere and basically he plays for a year and then kind of gets into coaching. I could see that. that that's really what I end up, uh, I can end up seeing him doing. I mean, he's been around for forever at this point to go over from Mackenzie Milton at UCF uh, years ago and Milton suffered he was that, a stud. that injury. For CFF. Let's pump the brakes, Colin. Come on. He was a, Words he was have a, meaning, Colin. He was stud a CFF stud. He was like a top five QB that year in like 2021 or 2020. I don't remember which year it was. But he was like a stud. Probably would have been 2020. Because you loved him when we started the show. We had arguments. I did. That's true. QB or not. Um, That's true. I have. I will. I will. I will hand up. I, I disagree. I don't think that anymore. He has not taken steps that I hoped he would take. Colin has seen the light. Um, so you were wrong, Gabriel, and I was wrong on uh, Medier. So, so far, that's <laughs> we've each been wrong once in this conference in our lives. Um, yeah. Running back is actually a pretty full room overall. And it's funny because I don't think there's a start here by any stretch, but I do think it's one of the deeper rooms, uh, certainly in the Big 12 and, and potentially anywhere of just guys that I think could play. You, if something were to happen, they had to play, they could uh, be pretty good. Uh, Sawchuck, Gavin Sawchuck is the first name I guess we'll toss out here. He was a guy that we pretty much all agreed at C2C last year was pretty athletic, but he was just so undersized that we weren't huge fans of him from a recruiting perspective. It does sound like he's up to 190 ish, 195. So that is nice. I think that's starting to get close to maxed out. Like, I, I'm not yeah. sure I'm seeing him getting, you know, 205, 210, but some weight gain there is really, really good because he is an explosive. Uh, guy there um he'll probably rotate with javante barnes that seems like the two guys that they want to to run them or get the most run this year uh barnes a little more between the tackles he's over to 10 ish missed spring because of a uh odd foot injury that sounds like it could be some sort of a long-term thing so that's something monitor with barnes um they also behind them have marcus major who's been there for um you probably should start calling him like Marcus dual major or, or something. Cause he's probably been there long enough to have a couple degrees. Caleb Hicks is a true freshman. I like him a lot. How much does he play this year? I don't know. And then Dalen Smothers comes in this year as well. And Smothers, I'll, I'll do the Southern thing. Bless his soul. He, um, <laughs> I don't know that he ever plays meaningful snaps at Oklahoma unless just tragedy strikes. So, I mean, Colin, any thoughts on this backfield overall? I think Sawchuck Barnes, uh, are the two obvious guys and then deeper leagues. You can start talking about some of the other ones. Um, yeah, I think it's Sawchuck and Barnes really are the two guys here. Barnes. The big question is that foot what's going to happen with that. It's like a necrosis of the bone. So it's basically like dying bone and it's a foot injury, which kind of scares me. So I do lean more Sawchuck, but like you said about his size, I think he's like mostly maxed out at 195, 190, 195-ish. So he isn't ever the type of guy that I think is going to lead a backfield at the NFL level for sure. Um, he'll be like just like a complimentary type of a guy. And I don't know that he'll be a type of guy that's going to lead this backfield because they do have Marcus Majors there and Marcus Major, not great, but he's stuck around for forever. And if he can ever stay healthy, they seem to give him carries when he's healthy. Uh, and this is an offense that that they are going to run the ball. Um, 
you know, they were sixth in pace last year. So they're up tempo. They're 93rd in neutral game script pass rate, which definitely some of that has to do with the injuries at the quarterback rate. But De- Jeff Levy does actually you know, run the ball a decent amount in the, in the, um, you know, uh, fear and shoot like Bryles, Josh Heupel type system. Um, so I am interested in the running backs here. A couple of wide receivers here that I think are actually interesting. Colin, your guy, Jaleel Farouk, and we can talk about him here in a second. I also think Andrew Anthony is moderately intriguing, uh, especially in deeper leagues. And then Jaquazi Petaway, who I have come around on slightly. I'm still very skeptical long-term about the talent of the player, but I do think he can do some things that they need and they don't really have elsewhere on the roster in terms of just uh, his athleticism, uh, his ability to uh, return kicks and punts. So I do think that Petaway is a guy that I uh, like taking late in supplementals. I like taking late in startups now. Uh, and uh, especially with with a, a fellow freshman Keon Brown uh, no longer attending, he's he's going the uh, JUCO route. So uh, Petaway, I think, is kind of the third wide receiver here that I'm interested in. And those are the only three: Farouk, Anthony, Petaway. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's Farouk's year this year. He's really the I don't want to say he's like the only returning receiver, but he's basically the only returning receiver from last year. <laughs> I'm, I don't want to say, but I'm going to say. <laughs> Um, they, they bring back Drake Stoops, but Drake Stoops, like, I don't know. He's not, he's not anything special. He's just kind of there. Um, but I, I think Farouk could be, could be really good for CFF this year. Um, Jeff Levy wide receiver ones, uh, over the past, over his like career as a head coach or as an offensive coordinator, which spans, um, two years at, UCF with Heupel, two years at Ole Miss with Kiffin, and then last year, um, so five years, average 17 fantasy points per game as a uh, you know for the wide receiver ones, which would be like wide receiver 43. But there's like nobody else in this offense, so I think we could see Farouk get a really nice target share. Like it wouldn't surprise me if it's like up towards like 25, you know, maybe even approaching 30 percent target share percentage. So. And he can do a lot of really fun things too. They can get him involved uh, in the run game a little bit on some jet sweeps and, and and some things like that, like they did last year at times. He ran wildcat quarterback when he had to. So he's a fun option. I think he's going to be good for CFF this year. Like if you're if it's a start three wide receiver league and I'm starting him, I, I feel pretty good. Um, and then I think he can parlay that into day two draft capital and everybody's going to laugh, but uh, I, I really do believe that he can parlay it into day two draft capital. So I'm a big fruit guy, but I am with you on Petaway. I think Petaway is a good option for the future. And I like Anthony. I mean, as the third guy there, I think yeah. he could be really, really interesting. And depending on cost actually might be the one that I end up, although Farouk ends up uh, generally being uh, fairly inexpensive as well. Tight end. They do have Austin Stogner. I think he's worth mentioning, but he is never a name that I pull the trigger on. Just not a sexy, exciting name at all. Uh, do you have any Stogner calling? No, this is, he was at Ole Miss, then he went to South Carolina, and now he's back, or I mean, uh, he was at Oklahoma, then he went to South Carolina, and now he's back at Oklahoma. Snip, I'm snap, not really snip, all that in, yeah, I'm not really all that interested in him for the NFL or CFF. Oklahoma State, um, a few, it's like the same amount of names to talk about, but just because none of them are very good, and we don't know who's going to be what here. 
Uh, they bring Alan Bowman in as a transfer. Bowman, for folks newer to the format of the college football, he uh, was fairly exciting as a freshman at Texas Tech and then took, if not the hardest hit that I've ever seen a quarterback take, uh, specifically to the upper body, then top five, uh, punctured a lung, just totally messed him up, uh, missed a bunch of time. And then since then, he's never really been himself again. He struggled at Texas Tech, uh, got injured a couple more times because they just really couldn't protect him at all. He's been the backup at Michigan the past couple years. I'm assuming he got a degree and left, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, if he didn't, he kind of messed this up because he Michigan degree is probably worth a little more than an Oklahoma State degree again. Oklahoma State fans, don't be mad at me. I'm just pretty sure that's <laughs> factual information. Um, so it's him, and then it's because uh, Spencer Sanders left. They're, they're uh, four-year incumbent at him, and then it's Zane Flores, who's a true freshman, and that's really it. It's, it's, a, it's not a strong quarterback room right now. I actually believe – is it Gundy's kid also that's there? Yeah, Gunner Gundy, I think. Oh, my God. Please tell me that's not true. I, I think it's you, I, you you have to fire fire Mike Gundy just for that name alone. That's oh, all. man. I, that's I, really I, his name. I, I'm almost positive that's his name. Let me um, let me look that up quick. But I I agree with Zane Flores being intriguing because there's nobody else there really. Um, but I I don't know. Alan Bowman was like pretty. It is Gunner Gundy, by the way. Jeez. Um, Alan Bowman was decent at Texas Tech, like when he was actually on the field. Um, you know, he 69, 65, 64% completion percentage. Um, his true freshman season, he threw for 2,600 uh, 2, yards, 17 touchdowns, seven picks. Um, he was, he was decent there when he was on the field. So if he could stay healthy, you know, Mike Gundy offense, if you take him in like the 40th round of a startup. I don't hate it. Uh, I wouldn't take him in like supplementals or anything, but I, I, you know, we, we like Mike, we like Mike Gundy offenses. You know, the quarterbacks there have been um, pretty solid. You know, you, you had guys like uh, Mason Rudolph who put up some really nice numbers. Spencer Sanders put up some nice numbers, although his legs kind of helped with that. Um, Brandon Whedon. So, you know, I don't hate it. And for the record, Oklahoma State is not like the worst school in the world. I just want to I want to reiterate Michigan this point. is I'm not yeah. crapping on Oklahoma State. Michigan is just the it's, it's it's a very very good school. I mean Oklahoma State's not West Virginia. Moving on, uh, the running backs here: uh, Ollie Gordon, Elijah Collins. Man, Elijah Collins is a name I hadn't heard in a really long time. Formerly of Michigan State. I don't know what to expect here. I think. I think Ollie Gordon's the more talented back. I mean, that's all I can really say. I think he probably ends up getting this job, but like, I don't, I, I, I haven't been drafting this backfield at all this off season. Yeah, I really haven't either. Um, I took like one Elijah Collins share in like a 24 teamer because he was so cheap. Uh, Cause he had that really good red shirt freshman year in 2019. Richard, uh, 222 carries 988 yards. Uh, only five touchdowns, which kind of hurts, but 15 catches. So, you know, he was he was a post-type sleeper at one point. And 
I don't know. Mike Gundy just does not seem to like Ollie Gordon. Uh, he, he, he calls him soft a lot. Uh, and I was listening to the, the burning the red shirt podcast again, where they were talking about the big 12 and Nate Marquise was saying about how Mike Gundy doesn't seem to like him either. And, and, you know, Ollie Gordon looks like he has little chicken legs and, and he kind of does. So he does. That I was know, a I big I, complaint I yeah. had about him last year, like vocally, publicly. I was like, this dude's got tiny legs. Yeah. Uh, so I think Ollie Gordon is the most talented running back in that room, but just the comments that have been made make and his, his legs make me like shy away a little bit. So could he be good? Yeah. You know, like we heard in um, the, the cram session earlier, but I, I don't know. He worries me a little. Uh, yeah. Um, the wide receivers here, it's a hodgepodge of whatever. Um, Jaden Bray, Dijon Stribling, Talon Shetron. I don't know. Any any names here stand out to you at the wide receiver position that I'm not I don't think I'm buying any of these guys this offseason no. is what I would is what it would be my stance. Is is Talon Shetron cuttable for you at this point, or are you still hanging on? I'm gonna say no, just because so technically we refined the year one zero thresholds a little bit after or before last season. It, formerly it did count a receiving touchdown as one of the thresholds that you would have had right. you beat it. And he did have a receiving touchdown last year. So like, even if we're not, it, we refined it to make it a much more solid metric. I still think the, the receiving touchdown, even if he didn't hit it, at least in my head, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, he did do like something last year. And so I am, I'm not actively acquiring him as anything more than a throw in in trades, but I am definitely not cutting him right now. I could see okay. him, like there is a scenario that he's the leading guy here this year and he's pretty solid. He was he got injured in spring last year, you know, yeah. was he ever right? I don't think we know. Yeah, yeah, I mean he only played in four games last year and I think some of that definitely had to do with with injury for sure. Um so yeah, I'm not I'm not ready to cut bait on Shetron either, but I'm with you. I'm not actively acquiring him. I was just curious cuz I know you were a big Shetron guy. I also like Shetron. We were pretty high on him. Um so I was curious what your thoughts were on him, but in terms of the rest of the room, not super interested in anybody here. Braden Jaden Bray was was solid, but he was banged up last year too. Um, so it, maybe Dijon Stribling, because they bring him, they actually like went out and got him and brought him in. Yeah, I just don't think he's very. I just don't think he's like a quality player, Stribling. You know, I feel like a lower P5 rotational wide receiver guy, I think, uh, based on what I've seen from him uh, in the past. TCU, uh, Garrett Riley leaves their offensive coordinator. Obviously, TCU, very successful last offseason. Really, their three best offensive players, their, their best quarterback, their best wide receiver, their best running back, all gone. So they're replacing a lot. They also lost some other pieces. So this is a team that, I think there's a lot of names to mention just because there's a lot of uncertainty where we do think we have some certainty is the quarterback position with Chandler Morris and people tend to forget that Chandler Morris actually won this job out of spring last year and into, into uh, the regular season and got injured very early in that opener against what Colorado, I believe they opened against and uh, Max Duggan stepped in and the rest is history made it the whole way to that national championship game. But Morris is back. 
he's taken over that job. And I don't see any reason to think that he's bad. Like, will he be individually as a fantasy performer what Duggan was last year? I doubt it because I don't think he's quite as good of a runner, doesn't offer quite as much rushing upside. Uh, and again, they do lose some weapons, so you know, might not be pro- as prolific passing, but I think he'll be fine for them. I don't think that he'll be a reason that they're bad if they end up falling off this year. Yeah, no, I agree with that. He's he's fine. He's not exciting. Um, I don't think he'll be quite as good as Dugan was last year because he doesn't have that same rushing ability, but it's still sunny. Well, yes, it's still sunny Dyke offense, but they bring in Kendall Bryles, um, who's really the one calling the plays there. I'm not entirely sure, um, but it, it'll be a, it'll be a good offense. So I like Chandler Morris. Just don't love him. I just I haven't pulled the trigger on him anywhere because there have been other quarterbacks that I like more that have still been there. But if I have if I have Chandler Morris, I'm fine with it. Running back, um, you know, Kendry Miller's out the door. And so we're talking about Trey Sanders, the transfer in from Alabama, former five star, uh, a significant injury history for him. Just weird stuff. Car accident, you know, lengthy, but unfortunate stuff. You got Imani Bailey the incumbent kind of guy. I think he gets some run this year. And then Cameron Cook, true freshman, 180, 185-ish pound kind of uh, guy who uh, a little more of a third down back. So I think there's a realistic chance we see all three of these guys. I think there's a realistic chance none of them actually get the job. Um, And so I think this is a messy backfield, and I am not particularly interested in any of these guys in a normal-sized league. No, I'm not really either. Um, Cameron Cook is the one that I would be intrigued by, the freshman. Um, I thought he was pretty solid. I, I liked uh, I liked a lot of his tape. He's just a little bit undersized. And I know I don't like Sanders, and I know I don't like Bailey. So give me the guy that I might like that I don't, that I haven't seen, if I have to pick somebody in this backfield. Fair enough. Uh, wide receiver, I think, this is another one where we're just talking. We're throwing names at the wall and seeing what will stick. John Paul Richardson was the big guy in the spring game. He transferred over from Oklahoma State. But I'm not sure realistically how what, what level of a talent he is. We're also talking some Savion Williams, bigger kind of Quentin Johnston-ish uh, type of receiver who was obviously their leader last year and is now in the NFL. Got some other new players on the roster as well that I think are interesting. Jojo Earl coming over from Alabama. Does he slot in in the slot? Maybe. Uh, Cordell Russell, true freshman, uh, huge 90th percentile uh, plus athlete uh, for the wide receiver position. Uh, And then I guess we also have to mention DJ Allen, who is probably cuttable. (laughs) Yeah. um, DJ Allen was another guy that we liked. A lot last year, and, and on the other side of somebody like Shetron, I do agree. I think Allen is cuttable because they brought in so many transfers. They bring in JoJo Earl. They technically also brought in um, Jalen Robinson, the guy who's bounced all over the place. Wait, he really? Was a, the former yeah. Oklahoma, UCF, Ole Miss, and maybe somebody yeah. else. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Enter. I did not know that. Yeah, they brought him in. They brought in John Paul Richardson. They have Savian Williams. They have freshman Cordell Russell. 
So there's so many other guys there that I think DJ Allen's cuttable at this point, which which sucks because I, I liked DJ Allen a lot. Um, year one zero, he's gonna have to transfer somewhere, and maybe he transfers down a level and ends up somewhere G five where we're like, oh, remember him? Yeah, now he's he's popping off at uh, at UTSA next year. Uh, any thoughts on Jack Beck, who I think is still technically listed as a tight end, but um, you know, I don't know where he fits in in this room overall. I'll be interested to see. Uh, I, I, I have not been interested in him at all this offseason personally, but it could be a blind spot for me. I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, I uh, I was the one who added Jack Beck to the to the sheet here, uh, and I just put a question mark after him. Yeah, he's te- technically still like a tight end. Uh, he's listed as a tight end on fan tracks and as I like dual eligibility i think he's always more of a receiver i haven't really heard too much about him this spring so i think i don't i'm not definitely not drafting him anywhere if i have him he's one of the first guys i'm cutting (sighs) texas is texas back colin yes i think they will be yeah okay i think this is their year you heard it here um Quinn Ewers a quarterback I just saw a picture of him today he's got a buzzed head so no more mullet uh that that's gone I think you know I want to start the discussion about whatever you think of Quinn Ewers uh with two thoughts and then I'm going to kick this over to you Colin first I do think that he's taken seems like he's taking football a little more seriously this year and I think as dumb as this sounds like the haircut's probably part of that like, I, I really think that he's less caught up in, you know, my mullet's marketable. I was reading his own this, headlines. This this perfect, uh, literally perfectly rated uh, prospect coming out of high school, uh, blah, 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 blah. It seems like he's really been putting in a lot more time to fix some of his issues, a lot of which were mechanical last year. The other comment that I just want to say is that if you are drafting the first couple of rounds of your C2C draft as I'm looking to take as few risks as possible and just that that maintain value strategy, we talked a lot. We've talked a lot about it across different shows, but we also talked a lot about it with the quarterback position when we did our quarterback ranking summit this past week. It's on our YouTube channel. You can go ahead and check that out. Did we turn it into a podcast as well? I actually didn't notice if we did. Um, I don't think we sure. have yet, but... okay. It's for sure on the YouTube page. Yeah. Um, if you are drafting that way to maintain value, then you literally cannot take Quinn Ewers. You cannot. You cannot. So if you're just the I think Quinn Ewers is good crowd, then that's that's he's a fine guy to take there. I also personally just wouldn't do it, even though I have him ranked fairly high. I would not take Quinn Ewers uh, in that range. I would not be comfortable doing that. Yeah, he's not a first round guy for me anymore. But if he falls into the second. Uh, I'm comfortable with that, but I am in more of the Quinn Ewers is good crowd. And I do want um, a top end Debbie QB out of the first couple of rounds of my uh, C2C startups. So, you know, I, I really want to come away with a top 10 QB. I would really like to come away with a top five if I can help it. Um, just because those are, it's hard to hit on Debbie QBs. Uh, we know how hard this can be, so I like to try and try and take one when I can. But I do agree, Quinn Ewers is risky because, like you said, on the QB ranking summit, if he comes out and he does not 
perform well in those first couple of games, especially in that one against Alabama, then his stock could really take a hit. But I personally don't think that happens. I think he's a first round quarterback in the NFL draft. Am I going to want to start him on the CFF side of things? I'm not entirely sure about that, to be honest. Um, there's a lot of good weapons here, which we can get to in a minute, but the backfield is also very good. Um, and he, I don't think is going to have the sheer volume that some other guys are going to have uh, other quarterbacks are going to have, and he doesn't have the rushing ability that some other quarterbacks have. So for college, for CFF purposes, if I have to start Quinn Ewers, I'm a little nervous, but I still like him for Debbie. I, I just, I wouldn't feel comfortable drafting him before the third or fourth round. That's just how I feel about it. Um, Cedric Baxter at running back, the true freshman, he's talented, but does he start week one? I think that's the debate and I don't think we'll know until very close to week one. So I'm not sure um, that it's a debate worth continuing because we, we won't have an answer still for a little bit. But the other contenders there are Jonathan Brooks and Jadon Blue. I think by uh, pretty much any, um, you know, uh, metric, those are probably the three running backs that are in the rotation here. Yeah, I think this is a very deep uh, running back room. I think it's a very a talented running back room as well. We talked about Ohio State possibly being the most talented top. I said Ohio State might be the most talented room top to bottom because they go like five deep. Um Texas is very close to that with Baxter, Brooks, and Blue. I think Baxter's the most talented, like you said. I think Brooks probably gets the first shot at it, but I think Baxter is going to take over for Brooks at some point this season. Uh, but I honestly, I think this is the year that Sark doesn't have a thousand yard rusher because I think he's going to start with Brooks and because I think Baxter is going to take over part of the way through the season and because I think. Jadon Blue will factor in. So the combination of all that, I think all three of those guys are going to get touches and they're all going to get some yards. So I don't I don't think he has a bell cow this year. And I don't think there's a thousand yard rusher in this backfield. Uh the wide receiver room is pretty f- is simultaneously full, but also can get very empty very, very quickly. Xavier Worthy is the leader here, had that huge freshman season, and then last year really struggled. I believe he was tops in the country on deep targets, but did not really connect on a lot of them. So, I mean, I, I, the debate is just whether you think he's a first round guy or a second round guy, but I think he fits in there somewhere. Um, because I think he's, if you want to compare him to a guy that's gone recently, I think he's basically a more well, a way more well-rounded, uh, version of Jalen Hyatt who actually like did something as a freshman and a sophomore. So, um, that would be the absolute floor, but I think he goes at least around earlier than that, you know, 40, 50 picks earlier, not out of the question. Um, uh, the other guys there, you have Adonai Mitchell, AD Mitchell. He goes by now transferred in from Georgia. I do think if he can stay healthy, that he's intriguing there. You have Jordan Whittington in the slot for a handful of games before he goes down for the rest of the season. <laughs> You've got our guy, Jonte Cook, the true freshman who I think plays there sooner rather than later. Um, maybe not, I didn't say start, but I said it plays there sooner rather than later. And then Isaiah Naor, uh, who transferred in from Wyoming last year, suffered the knee injury. He's supposed to be back. I'm not his biggest fan, but that's kind of the guys that you're looking at for that receiver room this year. Yeah, I think it really comes down to Cook is the guy that I want the most because uh, I like his potential um, the most there for the NFL. Worthy, I think, is a second-round guy, probably a top 50 pick 
in the NFL draft is, uh, but I don't love him as like a lead wide receiver overall. I think he's kind of in like that Will Fuller mold. Um, and then I do like AD Mitchell. I'll be really interested to see if, um, how AD Mitchell fits into this offense this year, but I do like AD. JT Sanders. Um, look, I've been made it abundantly clear on shows that I just don't care about tight ends to I'm, I'm typically not going to pay up for JT Sanders with the caveat that I know that I just did it in our home league. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but I, I will pay up for Sanders. I typically won't pay the price that it's cost for Brock Bowers. Cause you see him go in the first round sometimes or like early, early second round. If he falls to the back half of the second round, like I'm fine with Bowers, but that doesn't happen very often. Whereas Sanders, you can kind of get anywhere between like the fourth and like the sixth round, depending on your draft. And I'm okay with that price because I like Sanders. I think he's one of the very few tight ends. It's like him and Bowers that are going to be good for CFF. And I believe in their NFL talent too. So I do like Sanders. Um, I just, we... I, I don't think the, the, like, I don't, I don't think that it's such a slam dunk that he's a first round guy. Like, I just, I, I don't even think that's a slam dunk. Like he's, a Oh no, I don't think he's player. a first round NFL tight end. I don't think so. Like, but I, I think he's think like an early second. Guy. I just, I just think it like, I, just, I, I think that I find the argument weird that he's like, just, just foregone conclusion as a tight end. I, I don't understand it. There are some other backup quarterbacks on this roster as well. Colin uh, Arch Manning. You may have heard of him. Malik Murphy. Um, I don't know. I mean, thoughts on those guys. We've, I just am so sick of talking about any of the Texas QB room across all the shows I do this offseason. We've talked about them so much. Yeah, and we can kind of skip over Arch. I was more I was more interested. I was going to ask you about Murphy there, but I mean, just on Arch real quick, I think the hate on him goes too far sometimes. Some people who say he's going to be a three, he would be a three-star without that name. I think he's a high-floor player. I think he'll be the next guy up at Texas. I think it's going to mean something. The name's going to matter. I think he's going to be an NFL guy. I think he's pretty safe overall. But um, what about what are your thoughts on Malik Murphy? Um, he's a guy that I've really been struggling with what to do with. I've talked. I mean, I've talked so much about him. It's just it's a position I just don't want to talk about anymore, man. I think. So here, my personal opinion is that Malik Murphy is not a good enough player to play at Texas. It doesn't necessarily matter what I think, obviously, what the coaching staff is going to see over the next year. But I do not think Malik Murphy is good enough to play at Texas. And quite frankly, at the risk of looking really wrong this time next year, I don't even think that like a school, unless it's just a school that has zero QBs at all, basically. So like Auburn, I don't even think he gets a high NP5 job when he transfers out. People that wanted him at Florida this offseason, I don't think he's good enough to play at Florida. People wanted him at um, some of the other Texas, like, you know, TCU or something. I don't think he's good enough to play there right now. I don't think he's good enough to be the next guy up at Washington. Any of these other schools that you can point out, I don't think he's good enough to play there. I think you're going to send him to a school if you really wanted him to transfer, like the next guy at UTSA or okay. the next guy at, um, you know, maybe even like a Cincy or something like you, you're not sending him to a high end power five school. I do not believe he's that level of player. The spring stuff, he threw that touchdown in spring and was so overblown. It was, it was a completely underthrown pass that John T. Cook adjusted to and took it to the house. Like 
I don't think Murphy did a single thing in that game that interested me at all, quite frankly. Interesting. Okay. So um, I don't know that I had heard that take from you on Murphy. I haven't heard a ton of discussion on Murphy, but maybe I just, maybe I tune you out. Me and Bruning, I think, did a big discussion on him on something at one point. Okay. I don't remember. I don't know if it was Debbie debate or what it was at this point. Um, Texas Tech. It sounds like Tyler Shuck has this job again. I am very aware that he is getting some draft buzz, and I'm definitely not saying it's impossible, but I think we know what Tyler Shuck is by this point. So I'd be shocked. Um, they also have Baron Morton there as a backup. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm cooling quite a bit on Baron Morton. I know we're drafting the system, not the player, but like, holy crap, this dude spent three years and he still can't get this job. Like, just move on or something, buddy. Like, geez. I don't know. I, I, it seemed like he had it last year and then he got hurt. And then Chuck comes back. So it does seem like Chuck's going to have it again this year. So it has been three years. You've been waiting for forever on Morton. But if I have him, I'm holding him. Um, but I have I have lost some hope for Morton as well. He was a guy that I was really high on last year because I was pretty sure that Chuck was either going to get hurt or he was going to suck at some point. It was going to come to Morton. Uh, unfortunately, he got hurt and kind of fumbled that bag. So not quite as appealing as he was for me last year because well, he's just he's another year older, uh, another year less of eligibility in that system that we know we like, but I'm I'm cooling on I'm cooling on Morton. Uh, Taj Brooks at running back. And this is one when we had JD, uh, Yonke on earlier this off season, I believe while you were on uh wedding slash honeymoon break, Colin, uh, he talked about liking Taj Brooks. Brooks was a guy that I really liked a couple of years ago and has never really taken that next step. I'm not sure how much they run the ball this year. Like the, I had, I have a lot of questions, but I do think he's a pretty talented player. So this is a bottom, bottom end of the roster guy, in my opinion, but he's not a guy that I've really been excited by uh, this off season. Yeah. I like, uh, I, I like um, Taj Brooks personally. He's a guy that I also wrote up for the Debbie guide, honorable mention. So a lot of, uh, a lot of big 12 guys in there, but, so Roger Thompson is finally gone. He was a thorn in Taj Brooks's side for so long, but Brooks looked good when he was like out there, when he got the touches, um, he looked pretty good. So I'm still in on Taj Brooks. Um, he's like a one cut runner patient the line. He's no nonsense probably not going to catch a ton of passes, but you know, he can, he has 45 catches through three years. So he's like a dump off type of a guy. Uh, I think he'll, he'll be like a sixth, seventh round NFL draft pick. Um, and he'll stick on a roster. So I, I still like Brooks. Uh, wide receiver, I think it's uh, a situation where we're not really taking any of these guys aggressively because uh, we don't know who's going to be the guy here, quite frankly. Miles Price was thought to be the guy last year. Uh, some injuries and, and underperformance issues. He could be the guy this year, I, I, maybe. Um, so could potentially Jaron Bradley, who had a couple of big games last year. And then 
the real wild card here is uh, Dre McRae, who's coming up from uh, FCS, I believe. Uh, he's a transfer up. Austin P. Austin P. Thank you. So um, that's kind of your trio. Uh, pick your poison. Probably worth taking. I'm probably not strategically if I'm looking to take one and I still have a draft left this offseason, I'm probably not jumping to take the first one off the board. I'm probably waiting till one of them goes and then taking one of the other guys. That seems like a approach that that makes some sense to me. Yeah, I, I would agree with that approach. Um, I think this is still a this is still an offense where we we know it's gonna be pretty productive for CFF purposes. I mean, they were second in neutral game script pass rate. They were eighth in um, pace. It's just last year they spread the ball around a lot. Um, and I the, the room hasn't really changed that much. The only addition here is Dre McCray, and the only loss was pretty insignificant. I think there was like uh, Martinez, I think, transferred out, like Nehemiah Martinez or something like that. But the room's pretty much the same. So expecting it to change this year, I think is a bit of a risky proposition. But, you know, we say this a lot on here, which I've noticed as I've been listening back, gun to my head. Um, you say gun to my head a lot. I say it to make fun of you. Uh-huh. Sure. Sure. You said um, it twice. You said it twice last episode. I did, yeah. Um, you also said it last episode. It I did mean, not come off. It did not come off ironically. Okay. Okay. Anyway, gun to my head, I would take Dre McCray. Because he's why? Not. Why? Yeah. Why are there so many guns to your head, Colin? I, I get in I, rough neighborhood, man. You know, it's uh, getting a lot of Mexican standoffs. Blink, blink twice if the marriage is not going well <laughs> to start off with here, buddy. We'll uh, we'll work through this together. Uh, probably the two thinnest teams uh, to, to bring it home here, which is nice. Central Florida, the final new addition here to the conference. Um, I don't, I, 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 this is an interesting team because I could see them being uh, pretty solid this year and I could see them being kind of stinky actually uh, offensively. John Reese Plumley is running this thing. We were a little skeptical about him last year and he uh, ended up being for fantasy, at least pretty dang good. I mean, kind of what you'd expect though. Some games that were awesome, some games that were not so good. He's got a ton of rushing upside and he's, but he's not a great quarterback quarterback. So I think it limits a little bit of the, the, the pass catching uh, options here on a week to week basis, probably a classic better and best ball type of offense overall, quite frankly. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with that. Um, JRP John Reese Plumley is going to have some huge games, and he's going to have some real stinkers. And you just have to kind of try and figure out which ones are going to be which, and just kind of ride with it if you have him. Um, I do want to touch on like the running back room though with with sure. RJ with with RJ Harvey. Yeah. Um, I know that people have been saying that it does seem like RJ Harvey is going to lead the backfield here, but he is undersized. And he is, he is undersized for like kind of what a traditional Gus Malzahn running back looks like, but the guys behind him aren't any bigger. You have Johnny Richardson, who's like 180 pounds, 185 pounds. And you have Demarcus Bowman, who's 193 pounds. Harvey's the biggest guy in this room at 195. Demarcus Bowman. I forgot that Demarcus (laughs) Bowman was there. Yeah. So yes, RJ Harvey is a little undersized, but 
they don't have a big back in this backfield really. So I think RJ Harvey is going to be a guy who uh, is going to be very productive and steady for you. I like RJ Harvey this year. Is there a scenario where you would take um, uh, DeMarcus Bowman in the league? Only if there's two guns to my head. <laughs> two guns. Okay. Yeah. That can be arranged. Yeah. Um, no, it's got to be deeper than a uh, – it's got to be deeper than your standard league. Okay. To be honest. Okay. Um, fair enough. Uh, Javon Baker, Kobe Hudson are kind of the two wide receivers here. Again, these are not players that I find – really that sexy just because i don't know that i can rely on them on a week-to-week basis uh it just really really depends um i i took kobe hudson in our um league of record one that we started up i think in like the 35th or 40th round somewhere around that range i think it's fine to take one of those guys in that range because it I have heard some rumblings that they want to push the ball downfield a little bit more with their passing attack this year and if they do, like one of these guys will be decent uh, with Ryan O'Keefe gone. I just don't have a strong lean for which one it's going to be. So uh, end of a draft, one of them still sitting there. I'll take one. Uh, West Virginia is going to bring it home. We've talked about, I've talked about how I just think they're going to be atrocious, atrocious this year. I did listen to the CFB winning edge podcast last week and they were talking uh, big 10 and they are big 12. And they did mention that West Virginia um it could be better this year we'll probably stumble their way to a few wins but overall um not looking amazing for them i really the only two players here that i think i would say are must-haves in a normal league are garrett green the quarterback and then cj donaldson the running back so uh pick what whichever one you want to talk about here colin we we <laughs> have talked about two of these guys yeah both these guys very recently so we i don't think we yeah. need to give the people 20 minutes on garrett green cj donaldson i don't think anybody wants that i don't want no. that you don't want that they don't no. want that the guy holding no. a gun to your head doesn't want that nobody wants that nobody wants that um i think i do think west virginia will be an interesting offense because garrett green can be kind of fun uh, as a quarterback and CJ Donaldson has some, some post hype or not some post hype. He's got some hype going right now, but like we talked about, I think a lot of his value before came from the fact that he was a running back that you could play as a tight end. Um, he'll just be kind of fine. Um, but you think, seem to think he might be cuttable at some point, but those are really the only two guys that are rosterable. Jalen Anderson is a guy to just keep in the back of your mind because he was a guy that I liked as a freshman before we saw CJ Donaldson take over. And next year when there's a new staff that comes in um, for uh, Neil, Neil Brown, um, and when he gets fired, CJ Donaldson probably transfers out. Jalen Anderson might take over. Could be. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. Green's fun. Green's fun. And quite frankly, Donaldson is too. But um, I, I think the the hype's a little much uh, on Donaldson at this point. All right, well, that's going to do it for tonight's show. Thanks again. Special shout out to Todd uh, Vincent for hopping on, chatting with us again. Again, we cannot emphasize this enough. We are bringing these people on so that we can introduce them to you so you can start following their content because we really want to grow this space. We've been very consistent about that over the past 
two plus years on this show. So go give Todd a follow, check out the stuff that he's been doing. Um, uh, really, really, really cool stuff. We'll have a new guest for you guys next week. We're talking, I believe, CUSA, right? We're finally done with all the bees. Big 10. Yes, sir. Cool. Um, so, th- so that'll be next up. Um, check out all the other shows on the podcast feed here, guys. Check out the YouTube channel. We have a huge announcement coming early next week. Ooh, buddy. Huge announcement. Um, so you're not going to want to miss that. You'll if, if you follow us on social or in our Discord or anything, um, uh, you will definitely uh, see all of that. So uh, go check out all of those things. We will be back again next week with another episode of Campus Life. Until then, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good one.